One year of the podcast. It was uh, this Tuesday a year ago when I started this thing, uh, Andy's Things and Stuff. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, the first episode was, I think it was September 10th. I don't know. You can go back and look. It was about a year ago. This is episode 52. Uh, Andy's Things and Stuff brought to you by Sioux Falls Shooting. You want to take a shooting class? Go to SiouxFallsShooting.com. Also, MoSiouxFalls.com brings you the podcast. Need lawn mowing, yard work as it's coming up. Snow removal? I know. It's going to happen. MoSiouxFalls.com. Uh, this week, my good friend Jeremy Williams was back on the podcast. We were in Pier. We went to go take a class. And before we did that, we went to go shoot prairie dogs. It was a lot of fun. Here's my buddy Jeremy. Oh. The sound of a beer bottle opening is not nearly as cool as a beer can. Ah. Yeah, it sure tastes good. Oh. Especially after all that Sunday. Well, hey, hi, how are you? It's Andy's Things and Stuff. Uh, you are on a very special episode, Jeremy. Did you know that? I did not. Uh, you are on a special episode. This is the one-year anniversary week of my podcast launching. Oh, awesome. It was a year ago, uh, whatever the day is today when this airs. I just know it's episode 52, and I skipped one week somewhere in there. I don't remember why I did. So 52 is actually landing on the one-year anniversary instead of... The first one, but this is the one-year anniversary of me starting the podcast, so it's kind of... Congratulations, you get nothing for it. Congratulations to you. I just, I literally told Jeremy on the way, uh, we're in Pierre, South Dakota right now, uh, home of the state capitol, home of a giant new bridge they're building, and home of uh, less shitty hotels than they used to be, where we're staying at right now, the Country Inn and Suites. used to be a really shitty Econo Lodge. I mean really shitty. Like, oh, they're cooking meth in there. Shitty. But not so much anymore. Um, But I literally told Jeremy on the way up here, hey, I brought my recorder. We're doing a podcast, by the way. (laughs) Did you think it might happen? This was one that I did not think. Oh, you didn't see this one coming? I I did not. If I'm traveling and I'm going to be hanging out with somebody for a while, there's a good chance I'm going to bring the recorder with and we're going to be recording a podcast. So isn't it pretty, all the colors? It is. So much. This is so different from last time. Oh, so many less cables. Yes. <laughs> and so much simpler. Uh, so, Jeremy, you were on the podcast uh, in the first half of them or so, I think. Um, last winter, if I'm not mistaken. It was over the winter sometime, yeah. I don't remember when exactly. Um, but, so, just to recap who you are, if someone cares, who's Jeremy? You work for the city, right? Yep. I work for the city of Sioux Falls. Uh, plumber by trade, uh, work construction for about first 12, 13 years of out of high school and military mixed in there and, and everything. And then in 2012 ish, I worked, got on with the city of Sioux Falls and I do building maintenance and facility management for them. And sometimes you, uh, run the stoplights at, uh, Yankton trail park when there's a cross country meet going on. And my wife flips you off when she drives by. No, she didn't flip him off. She just drove by and saw him and sent me a text. That, she was loud enough. I knew exactly yeah. who it was when she was driving <laughs> by. <laughs> um, so we are in Pier right now, recording this on September 4th, Labor Day. It's Labor Day. Um, we have uh, we have business to do tomorrow in Pier. It's our, well, for you, it's your every two year. Like, you have to do it tomorrow or you're screwed, right? 
Yes, I missed the springtime for the uh, enhanced carry permit for the instructor course that you and I have. I missed the March class, and if I didn't make this one tomorrow, then I would not be able to teach it, and I'd have to wait for the next class coming yeah. through. So it was pretty important. Um, I don't have to be here tomorrow. I Do you like to hedge and do it like one early? Because one, they offer it twice a year. Do you prefer to do it like a little early than you have to? I will be in the future. The reason why... I thought the class was in April, and when I had called up to Pierre in April, I did not know that it was like the second or third week in March, so I just missed it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I always just went when I was due, you know, like literally right on the two-year, because it's usually March and September. And uh, COVID hit in 2020 when I was – I'd sent off my money and the application and the fingerprints and all that, and – I was supposed to take it on, I think it was March 18th, and the governor shut the state offices all down on the 16th of March, 2020. So I had a certification that ran out at the end of March. Fuck. Uh, so then I start making phone calls and scrambling, and um, and of course no one has the answer, and people in state government tend to be very by the rules, and well, there's nothing in state law that says anything different, so... Oh, so you're saying I'm screwed. Okay, this is awesome. Yep. By no fault of and your by own. By no fault of my own. Mm-hmm. I was signed up for the class. It turned out the Secretary of State extended all of us until I think the end of May, just so we could keep teaching. Because <laughs> sure. had, I had classes in April that were all set to go. And um, uh, and then uh, and then they extended us till September because there wasn't going to be another class again until September because they had a backlog of other law enforcement training. Cause that's where we have to take this class that we're talking about, um, at the law enforcement training center. And, uh, so ever since then, I'm just like, it seems like either you or Matt are coming up. So I go when you guys, one of you is going and I'll just go when you guys go. So then that way I'm not, I'm just afraid of, and even if it's not something, it doesn't have to be COVID. Like if I get sick or <laughs> family emergency, I just had one. Um, had it been a little bit later then I probably wouldn't have been able to go, but then I would have had a fallback plan. Whereas mm-hmm. if that happens on the last one, then yeah. Or just flat out, someone gets, you just get sick or you can't make it. Yeah. I mean, something very, very simple as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was starting to wonder if that was going to happen. Cause I woke up this morning shitting through a screen door. <laughs> it was not pretty in my bathroom this morning. Uh, <laughs> um, it was, um, I was, and you know how when, you know how when you have like a a terrible case of diarrhea and it's like some sort of stomach bug you got, and you can't place all the rest of the weird feeling in your body, other because you're so preoccupied with because after a while your asshole hurts so bad mm-hmm. it's just like I can't stand a shit again. Yep, I call that the conversion between wiping and dabbing. <laughs> Right, <laughs> because it just starts to hurt. You can't wipe anymore. You, you can't do it. You have to just dab it. That's right. Oh my god. Um, but I, because I got, I was chaperoning a youth group trip for my church back in about 2009. I just, just, I mean, I didn't have any kids in youth group yet. I just decided, oh, well, I'll, I'll help out with a church thing that's going on. You know. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, but I think 
I got some sketchy food to go somewhere along the way, and I ended up spending the entire weekend in the hotel room. I didn't go. I went to like the first night of activities, and after that, I was basically in that hotel room sleeping and shitting, and that's all I did. I never threw up. It was literally just going south. It never went north. It was always going south. And I remember <laughs> the the four like high school age boys that were in my room, they walked in and I heard one of them go, oh, wow, he really is sick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, right. and, and I'm just getting over something like that myself this last week. <clears throat> I ended up waking up. I... You know how your stomach can flip sometimes, and you're like, "Oh no!" Like I, I'm not going anywhere until this works itself out. Yeah, like that scene but in Dumb and Dumber. It, oh, absolutely! Yeah. yeah, grabbing onto the side of the toilet. Um, but I ended up, I didn't have any meetings right away in the morning. I ended up calling my uh, my counterpart on the other side of uh, on the that overseas custodial and everything else, and and I just said, "Hey, man, until I know I can make it across town." I'm not. I'm not leaving you the house. You didn't think you'd make a 15 minute drive. That's that's how bad it was right right when it first started. Ooh. So flipped the laptop open, working off the couch um, for about the first two three hours, and then I got bored and I'm just like, you know what, full send, and I made it to work. But the rest of the time, I I passed off two other meetings that day because I wasn't leaving City Hall. I could do work at my desk. Yeah, but I had to be within certain proximity of the restroom and. Um, I wasn't throwing up. I wasn't no fever, no nothing. But did you feel oh bad otherwise? God. No, and I you didn't feel sick other than no. you were just shitting liquid Correct. the whole time. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it it's it so felt, annoying. It felt so weird to sit at home. Although I could do all my work remotely if I needed to, but there were certain things I had to be in the office for, and that's when I just got frustrated about the first two hours into it, and I just said, you know what, I'm driving across town. Was it just access to files, or was it? People you need to be able to talk to or... Certain people I needed to be face-to-face oh, okay. -face with for a couple of things. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, I suppose. I I used to feel weird, weird about working from home until COVID hit, and then I was just like, yeah, why do I have an office? I There's no part of this job I have to be at the station for other than even doing the show. I didn't really need to be there. I mean, there's a technological workaround for that too, but... Uh, outside of like if I had a promotional meeting with a client or something, that was about it. That was all I would ever have to be there for. Um, okay. So like we mentioned earlier, we're in pier and you did something. We did something that you had never done before today. That's right. And how fun was that? I, I not only learned a lot, but it was just a lot of fun to get out in the field, realize that I judge distance like ass it's bad <laughs> and um we played my favorite hunting game where how far is that rock how far is that rock yeah how far is it over that hill yeah well we didn't have any rocks but it was like how far is that prairie dog mound that's right yeah and you were only what 100 yards off generally for the first when half I, of the day i was about 100 yards <laughs> off. yes I granted out here, I'm usually a little more off too. Cause there's just even less to judge distance by, you know, uh, honestly, Harding County's easier for me. I have a little easier time judging distance. What we're talking about is, uh, Jeremy and I, uh, went and shot prairie dogs today. And I do phrase that specifically. It's not hunting prairie dogs. No. You don't have to hunt them. You're just shooting them. <laughs> Why would you just shoot them? Well, first off it's fun. 
Second off, if you're far enough away, it's challenging. Uh, quite challenging, as you found out. Yes. Um, I would guess you're no worse of a rifle sh- or better a rifle. Sh- I'm no. We're probably in the same ballpark rifle shooting skill wise. I'm not particularly awesome. I don't know. I learned stuff from you today about scope. So maybe you are better than me. I don't know. You've done more rifle shooting lately than I have. Um, at least bolt action rifle. But <laughs> I was all of a sudden just like, oh, this is the easy button shooting this rifle first. Mm-hmm. How far was the first one? Like 270? 270, yep. And smoked it with a six millimeter Creedmoor, which was a brand new load. I just worked up because I had the bullets, I had the cases, I had the powder, I had the primers. I didn't want to go buy three, four boxes of ammo, you know, for some plinking when I already had the stuff. So I just picked a load, loaded them. I didn't test the load. I didn't even verify the zero of my rifle. And I hit the first one at 270 yards. And I was like, holy shit. Yep. I couldn't believe it. Un, I mean, zeroed, but unverified zero. You were very clear about that. Oh, yeah. And, I said that. Like I, it was, I wanted to make sure you were watching yep. to see where I missed based on the hold. Yep. And I center punched this prairie dog. Yep. And, <laughs> and to, to, put it, to put it into a little bit more uh, detail here, we're sitting down in, I don't know, calf, maybe knee-high grass. Andy's well, right got where a, we were sitting, there was not really, it wasn't even that tall. It was maybe it was a, ankle high. It was a high. clearing. Yeah, yeah, we were in a little bit of a clearing, but there was some like calf high grass yep. a little farther out. And then what, your bipod 24 inch legs? Inch. 27 inch legs. And he's sitting down. Um, and and so you're, you're, the weight of your rifle, the you know, whether you preload it, you do anything like that, it that's how the rifle is supported with your sight picture and everything going through the optic at 270 yards. And, and a prairie dog is not a very big target, not a very big target. at that distance. We walked we walked over to uh, that one, and he was a mess. Those Hornady VMAX bullets work really well. <laughs> they work very well. Yes. <laughs> Basically exploded. Yep. Um, but, no, you just never had occasion to do it. You didn't grow up hunting like I did or like a lot of guys do, right? Hunting uh, pheasant. You did pheasanting, but not like big pheasant. game hunting. No, not not big game. I still have. I had a tag for deer last year. It just didn't work out. I applied for first draw this year. Uh, got denied, and I have. I didn't do second or third draw, and I haven't really looked to see any of the leftovers yet, just because uh, my oldest is a senior this year. So I'm being oh. a little careful, just because it, it's a very busy year for for the family here. Yeah, and uh, well, you can still it, get. I mean, all that's pretty much everything. Only thing left now is doe tags, mm-hmm. and most of those are going to cost you thirty bucks. And if you don't use them, yeah, oh well. And that's about what happened when I went on third draw last year. Was yeah. I got a doe tag north of north of Sioux Falls? Oh, okay. So, yep. Um, you should check out Gregory County because I got double doe tags there. I don't know if they they have some single tags. I don't know. Um, and I didn't get ta- I didn't draw anything till the third draw. Yeah. So, no, and I liked shooting that way. Well, first off, I intended to bring my shooting mat like you did. You didn't use yours. I didn't use yours, but it looked good. All rolled out there in the prairie. That's right. <laughs> but I uh, I really, that's like my, my favorite position to shoot from when I'm deer or elk hunting. Uh, the biggest deer I ever shot, 
most of the deer I've shot have been from the seated position with that big long bipod. Mm-hmm. Um, I shot my elk last year, sort of in the same position, but it was on a hill, and I was only resting on one leg of the bipod because the hill was so steep, it wasn't wasn't feasible <laughs> to, to do that. But it's, I mean, it's better than trying to do it offhand or trying to shoot from the ground on your elbows. But at the same time it it's not the most stable position so it requires some practice and that's kind of i like i haven't done it in a number of years but i always like to go shoot prairie dogs to get ready for deer season because if you can hit that little tiny thing out it and honestly i these are the longest shots i've ever shot at prairie dogs granted i had a different rifle that was more capable than i usually have because usually i'm just using an ar with 223 and pretty tough to i mean with my skill level shooting little things far away with an AR. I'm not great at calling wind with light little bullets that get pushed around a lot. Uh, you had a couple that really got pushed around when yep. you tried longer ones. Yep. Um, you had a couple grass hits. Isn't it amazing how grass will just completely redirect a bullet? I did. And, you know, and so I brought just my AR, my 223, my my personal hand loads that, that I've worked up this, this last summer. And... Um, so I, I knew where I was going to hit. It's just a matter of judging wind. Yeah. And a couple of those calls when, when we shifted left, when, when there was a bunch of them out there, um, yeah, I, I couldn't believe how far it was off. And then that's when you had called out that I was, that I was hitting shooting grass. grass. Yeah. <laughs> Cause and, the tallest grass was left of you. Yep. And I, and I had brought my, my, uh, my tripod and I set it up in, in a way. That with thing's cool. Out. I didn't know it could do that. Yeah. 45 degree really angle cool. 40 the legs were out at 45 degrees so i was able to sit down and then the rifle clamped into the tripod and all that i had to do was sit behind it with the optic and pull the trigger yeah so you didn't have to because like i have to put some tension on it for stability with the bipod you know i kind of gotta pull it a little closer than i would normally have it and then lean into it and that that'll give me the tension i need to be stable but the it's still just i, I was telling jeremy about this in 2016 i was deer hunting in the black hills with my cousin's husband aj and i shot a doe at 30 yards close shot we were i was hunkered down behind some low brush i was already laying prone on the bipod same bipod i had out today and you can't see every single twig and branch between here and there even at just 30 yards and i aimed I pressed the trigger, called a good shot right in the vitals where you're supposed to quickly, humanely kill a deer. And after the gun comes out of recoil, there's no deer there. So I either vaporized it or it fell down right away. I'm like, well, that was a great shot. You know, as I'm patting myself on the back, get over to it and find that, uh, well, I hit her in the base of the neck, like right where neck meets shoulder. The bullet got redirected about eight or nine inches from where I aimed. Now, I couldn't screw up a shot at 30 yards bad enough to miss that far. Sure. And that's when I realized, oh, twig, branch, bush, something redirected that 30 caliber bullet and sent it left eight inches. I mean, if it had gone down, I'd have missed. You know, it's just amazing how something with that much speed and power can just be completely redirected by hitting just this little, this little, you know, half ounce little twig. Yep. It's just sticking up and just, just messes it all up. 
Um, so you said you learned a lot. What did you learn today? Shooting suppressed is the only way to shoot. Big rifles, yes. Big rifles, yes. Um, that was quite pleasant. I left earplugs in all day just because my right ear is getting bad mm-hmm. and loud noises hurt. Yep. Um, and I, <laughs> I, my I know my hearing's already getting bad, so I I was hedging it. Yours is already kind of fucked, so you're just yep. like I'm gonna pull them out. This is great. <laughs> no, I. I, I'm calling it a uh, that you and I were sitting far enough away from each other that it yeah, was we were, it was all right. We but, were about uh, uh, well, I'm going to use one of the selfies I took for the cover art for this episode. Yep. And you're you're totally in the picture. You're going to be a lot smaller. We were probably about five yards apart. Yep. I mean, at least 15 feet away from each other. So. Yep. Um, it doesn't take much, but that, you know, when someone calls it a silencer and it's like, oh, it's it's not silent. Like the bullet crack, is, still just really loud it's just it's almost like the frequencies of it are less painful than muzzle blast yep i think it's also not quite as loud yep and if i'd say if we were in anything different than the prairie that we were in i would had ear pro and for reference i had foams in for the first three or four or five shots and i was like you know what i'm gonna give this a shot and i took one out you had shot two or three times or so and then i ended up taking them both out mm-hmm. just because the distance was different. But if the terrain, anything else would have been any kind of different, I would have left them in. The terrain alters the sound a lot. I have been 600 yards away from a buddy shooting a deer that I thought was someone else a mile away. And I've been 200 yards away from somebody, uh, or pardon me, I've been 800 yards away from somebody and thought they were just right over the next rise. You know, thinking it was it, sound does so many weird things based on wind, temperature, barometric pressure. All of it has something to do with the sound. Sure, it's so so wild. It was so pleasant though. Mm-hmm. I mean, because normally if I'm sitting sideways from an AR, it's really unpleasant. And I did bring an AR, and I was not planning on using the suppressor with it if I used it. Yep. So I was really glad that. The six Creedmoor was really <laughs> it was working good oh. for me because it was going to be far more pleasant for you because that has a nasty my AR has a nasty muzzle break on it and like you were going to want to sit behind me when I'll, I was shooting that thing. I'll tell you what. So the two two three was my choice because my other my long range rifle I I love shooting three oh eight. The yep, the, I dro- do too. the drop, the wind calls and everything. Um, and plus, it's just got the history, right? Oh, yeah. So I was like, God, but a thirty caliber bullet at a prairie dog. like. But I also didn't think that a four, I mean, we were ranging stuff to 470, 480. Yeah, I think the longest um, shot I took was 420. 420, 423, something like that yeah. was, was, one of your, was one of your hits, absolutely. And I am- Did I hit one at that far? Yeah. I thought four was my longest. Uh, it was a shade over four okay. on, on the final one that we had walked by when we were, cause we did, we did go make a big circle across the field right before we left. The, uh, <laughs> that first one we walked by, <laughs> holy shit. That thing was just exploded. That was not, a it was, sight. uh, it didn't feel a thing. That's for sure. No. The funny thing is I missed it twice. Yeah. I, I hit at 270 yards first shot without verifying zero. Boom. At a little target like that, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was proud as punch of hitting that first one. And then I think that one that was at 200 yards was 
270 and the difference between at least at my, at my skill level of bolt action rifle shooting like precision rifle shooting there's a huge difference between 270 and 200 i'm like a deer at 270 not a big deal but a prairie dog at 270 is a much tougher shot no absolutely and the fact that i missed the one at 200 it was just a it was a mistake of obviousness i was shooting light bullets that are going really fast like 3300 feet per second Mm -hmm. i was actually holding left for wind and i was shooting directly into the wind yep it was just a dumb dumb mistake the funny thing is it didn't move like i sent two bullets by it and it didn't even twitch and if i'm not mistaken there you were empty at that point, reloaded. Yeah, I had to grab I, another magazine. <laughs> yeah, and then I had time to rearrange it. So I, I have my rangefinder out while Andy's reloading the rifle. We get a distance on it, and I was like, you know, two. I think it was 202. Two, 202, 210, something like that. And he goes, oh, well, I'm just going to hold straight on it. And then, bam. And it, it exploded. It exploded. <laughs> <laughs> but there was just a, a shade of too much wind call, which at one point the wind was directly in our face. Yeah, well, shooting that. So, like if we shot left of us at all, it was more in our face. If we were shooting off to the right or straight ahead, it was, there wasn't really a full value sideways wind, but there was, it was getting close to the farther to the right we were yep. shooting yep. early on. It was barely, the wind was barely blowing. I mean, when we first sat down, it was like three to five miles an hour. By the time we left, it was around 10 to 12. It had picked up a little bit. It still wasn't as, I've been out here way worse days. Uh, wind wise for sure, but at a hundred and three degrees, degrees, yeah, yeah, 103. But the humidity was very low, and when that sun was out, you could feel it, you could feel it. But like, I was not uncomfortable, no, I mean, I've been far more uncomfortable when it was 82, but the humidity is like 80 percent, sure, you know. Um, the day you almost collapsed it. Great Plains in Omaha. Yes. Was a day like that. It wasn't actually that was really hot. And it was that, in the nineties. And that day will never be forgotten. No. <laughs> no. That was I think we were ninety seven, ninety eight degrees, but in a pit. And we're in an and, old gravel pit. Oh yeah. And that's the worst heat. I I said this when we were talking about that earlier. That's the worst heat I've ever been around. Oh yeah. Uh and it's not even close. Yes, there has been worse heat on the planet, I understand. In my life experience. Uh, the 2019 Great Plains section at Eastern Nebraska Gun Club was the most unpleasant <laughs> outdoor experience I've ever had in my life. No, here and here's a good reference. The heat that we had in, it was west of Omaha, was the worst heat I had ever felt. But in 2004, when I was in Iraq, it was July 8th, no, July 3rd, I don't know, first, second week of July, whatever. We had just got done with a convoy. And I was 132 degrees at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Jesus and that, Christ. And that, you know, I, I came on, stripped body armor off. We had a thermometer, a big oh, old dial God. on the wall. And our wall of our tent was reading 130 to, 132 at like 1.30 in the afternoon. And I was either used to it or it was such a dry heat that that Omaha trip, that was the you worst. You know what I else is a dry heat, felt. though? An oven. So, yeah. Ovens are also a dry heat. Or anytime anyone asks me what it's like when when it's that hot out, I'm like, just hold a blow dryer in front of your face. I mean, that's yeah, pretty much what it feels like. But it so. was, <laughs> I mean, there was, 
I mean, there wasn't really, when we first sat down today, there wasn't enough breeze to really cool you off, but it still was not, humidity just makes it so much worse. And it was, I actually looked at, right before I came over to pick you up today, I looked at what the weather was in Pier, and I saw the the humidity was only 35%. I'm like, sweet. Yeah. This is going to be very pleasant this afternoon because the wind wasn't really high, which is rare out here too. And the, yeah, the temperature was high. It's hot. It's always hot in the central part of the state. It's just always is. Yep. Um, but it was for being 103, that's the most comfortable 103 I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it was, it was like Arizona 103. It really was. It didn't feel bad at all. Yep. We were soggier than we realized when we got back to the truck. I think that was caused by the walk, honestly. Yeah. I mean, we just exerted ourselves a little bit walking around and then we had a little bit of an uphill hike on the way back and. Uh, I forgot my suppressor in the truck when we first got there and I got up. I'm like, oh, I need to, I need to get the cardio going again before deer season happens because <laughs> I was breathing a little harder than I should have been when I got up to the truck. Yep. Like that wasn't good, but no, it was so fun. Um, I haven't, I don't think I've done that since about 2018 or so. Yep. It was the last time I was out here. Uh, we did it in the Fort Pier National Grassland. Um, which is all public land, obviously, and you can anywhere where that is, and there's a prairie dog town, you can go there and and do that. There's some state land farther west of here, like significantly, like uh, just a little east of the uh, Minuteman missile silo. Oh, wow. At the out interior there. exit. Yeah, it's okay. a ways out. And a lot around Wall. Um, there's, there's a one spot I know of that I'm not going to mention but there's one spot I know of that is uh, not terribly far off the interstate. Mm. And I've gone there a couple of times. And um, although the last time I was there, the wind was blowing at about 30 to 40 miles an hour and it was 105. And all I had was 55 grain AR ammo. So I just decided not to. Yeah. Because that was going to be a waste of bullets for well, the most part. And when you're dealing with wind and and especially when it's you know of when we're talking full value it's usually anything 10 miles an hour or faster that directly really left to right yeah it very much matters it actually matters to the point that when you're looking in your scope for people that don't do it you're almost at 200 to 300 yards you're probably aiming two or three prairie dog body widths to the left or the right, depending. Oh yeah, just to offset the wind. How much that wind is going yeah. to affect the bullet. Towards movement. the end of the day, I was, I was just going off the the notch in my reticle of my scope. I couldn't tell you what, how many prairie dogs left or right it was. It was at least. I was shooting such a fast bullet though that mm-hmm. um, it was like a little more than a prairie dog left. I was holding. Yep. Just slightly more. Um, no, those six millimeter Creedmoors, they're cool. I'll tell you what, you were shooting my deer with that thing this year. You are now the second friend of mine that that shoots those, and my other buddy Mitch has has one that's in a Seekins, and he has the ability. Uh, we were just out at Hunters Point not too long ago, and uh, they will take old clay pigeons and set them on the six hundred yard berm, which I did not know. Yes, that's so that's out, a salty target. Yep. So out at at Hunter's Point, there's there's static steel that they hang at two, four, and, and they're like two yards. foot plates. They're, yeah, they're, they're twenty four by twenty four. It's, it's a nice all big right? target because if they're nice and big, because we all like that reward of the ping coming back. Dung. 
but uh, at 600 yards, having a, a orange clay pigeon sitting on the berm and being able to hit it. Um, I ended up getting it. I had to walk my 308 up to it, but man, watching that six millimeter, uh, it was just damn near popping them like pimples. Yeah. I mean, it was, and it's same, same thing that I saw out of your rifle. Well, he's got a really nice one. Mine's just like a bean can Ruger American, you know, Yep. Uh, it's, it's nothing special. It's a $480 rifle. I think I paid for it when I bought it a couple of years ago. Yep. And the only reason I bought it is because they didn't have any 243s around for my son to use for antelope hunting. Yep. And that's a compliment to the cartridge right there. And it's, and basically the, it's just a slightly different dimension, slightly different design on basically a 243. I mean, it's the same caliber bullet as a 243. It's just, uh, you can use heavier, longer bullets in the six millimeter Creedmoor and, um, so it not only has a little more stank, it's going to have a little more staying power. The That's one thing about physics that always blows me away, that the heavier bullets, um, when they finally do start sinking, they'll sink faster, yep. but they stay up longer just because of the momentum, the yep. inertia yep. of the heavier bullet. And some of the stuff I'm starting to learn, too, is when you go, and I'm going to say ultra long, but it's it's not, but... When you start getting into the distances where the bullets start, they fall from your supersonic to subsonic speeds. And you yeah. get in that trans. And you're trying to hit stuff beyond that. It start The bullets start to do really weird things. In yeah. There. They don't stay perfectly straight. And that's where the weight of your bullet really starts to matter. Yeah. Because the straighter, they stay through those zones from super to trans to subsonic. That's when you're able to hit your targets on a more consistent basis. The longer ones, like the 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 longer bullets, uh, say stay 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 stable longer. Yes, is what I was trying to say. And on, on how I understand it, yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I I know a lot about pistol shooting. I don't know shit about. I know how to hit stuff out to about 300 yards yep. pretty reliably. <laughs> well, and it also Beyond depends. That, like, Shape comes into play. Um, sure. You, you know, your, your your BC on your bullet on how well it does with friction and everything else. Yeah. I mean, that all comes into play. There's so many too, variables. But, oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, it's, Thank God they make an app for that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And it's, it's funny how people will get into a certain idea and then they just hang on to it forever. My dad was very much like that. He would... Uh, he never really liked Hornady bullets because they have a really long bearing surface. Mm. He came from the era where it's like, faster is better, always. Yes, I'm going to make sure they can shoot a dime group at 100 yards, but I'm going to make sure they're going as fast as they can. Because everything at 100 yards yes. has body armor. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but no, it was just sort of the, it was easier to shoot if it was fast. Oh, yeah. You know, that was sort of the old... And it's, I mean, it's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was evidenced by my rifle today, shooting a relatively light for that caliber bullet, 87 grains. Uh, well, he definitely wasn't wrong because the less time it's in the air for variables to affect it, yeah. then, it then it's it's more Well, and it's just less of an arc, too. Like a 308 is going to be doing a much higher arc. Uh, 223, much different arc with less weight and all that. Yep. So, yep. Um, but I mean, for the most part, when I'm shooting at something like a deer, I'm not pulling the trigger unless I know I'm going to hit it. Mm-hmm. Like I don't take 500 yard shots 
because I don't, the only way I would take a 500 yard shot is if I had practiced it beforehand and there's like no wind. Sure. Like virtually no wind where the wind is not going to be a factor in this shot. It's not enough to move the bullet far enough where I'm going to like wound the animal to the point where it's going to live, but not, not forever because, you know, coyotes are going to get it later or it'll starve to death or, you know, something like that. Yep. Um, I'm not taking shots like that, but even then, like, can I get closer? I'm going to get closer. Mm-hmm. Like closer is always easier. And if I have the ability to get closer, when I shot my elk, I got, <laughs> here's how fucking big elk are. I thought I was close enough to shoot one of the cows that was up close to me. Well, when I sat down and got it in the scope, I found out, oh, those aren't cows. Those are spike bulls. Can't shoot those. And the closest cow is 420 yards. And I'm kind of a 400-yard guy, like, not shooting beyond 400. Yep. And that thing was 420, and that was the closest one. I need to get closer. So I just got closer. And, yeah, that was definitely the way to go. Um, <laughs> anything else notable about today? It was fun. It was. It really was. And and the funny thing is, is when you text me a couple days ago, and you're like, hey, how le- how early can you leave on Monday? And I'm like, well, it was Labor Day. It was Labor Day and, and uh, you know, vacation day for a, a lot of us. Sorry if you had to work today. Um, I I pretty much, well, I, my girls are off. The wife's probably going to sleep. I can leave whenever. And mm-hmm. that's when you said, hey, let's let's stop by and do some prairie dog hunting and everything. And I'm like. Prairie dog shooting. I've never done that. Shooting. Yes. <laughs> I have never done that before. And I am all about learning. And, and. So I was like, yeah, I can leave at any time. And so I pretty much said that I'd have my presentation and everything done on Sunday. So whenever you were ready to go, just swing by. And yeah, it turns out I didn't have mine all done. I had to I did make some adjustments. I had it done, but I hate taking my laptop anywhere because the battery lasts about 30 seconds when mm-hmm. it's unplugged. Sure. Um, so I have, I've converted all my presentations to my iPad because I've got an adapter to plug it into an HDMI cable. Oh, smart move. And, uh, oh, I love it. It's so nice. Um, but I didn't have the, okay, so here's the thing. When we take the class, we're not really being taught stuff. And this may sound harsh because I intend it to be a little bit. Um, no, no one is teaching us anything except other instructors like us. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, for some of the, I mean, looking at who is all going to be here, it's all people who have been doing it a while. So it'll be probably better than average, but sometimes it's first timers and they don't know what the fuck they're supposed to do. And that was me last year. I feel so bad for them when they show up and do that. Well, no, you've, you'd done it before that though. I'm sorry. I, you mean your first time? This is my first renewal. So when I was it here is? two years, yes. So when really? I was here two years ago, it was my first time. And, um, you know, there's the state gives you a, a Rubik's that you have to go on, on on certain points and and that's how you're graded on your presentation and yeah I I was stressed but you don't even know what to do <laughs> that's, that's the hard the problem part was was to meet it's just like do it on use of deadly force uh right and so the instructor that's grading what is are they looking for and I will got say to the point where I called up and asked him a couple of questions before I started putting stuff together. And then now that this is a renewal, 
I relatively know what they're looking for. So putting together a seven, 10 slide little presentation to, to get when, through the cube, then I I'm a lot more comfortable this time around. When you've seen my class, you've seen Matt's class. Oh yeah. That certainly helps as well. Yeah. yeah. Cause we both took it back when we were actually pretty much handed a curriculum, mm -hmm. you know, and then we've adjusted it ourselves over the years as was needed for changes in law, but also just for our own, personal uh, this will work better yep and what andy's talking about is is even you know two years ago before i went to this first class um, i had been shooting with andy for for years and i knew he had done this i wanted to get into it i was in the reserve uh police with matt johnson and i called them up and i just said hey can i come shadow see how you guys do things and and everything else and you know, even some of the podcasts I've listened to about instructors taking other instructors' courses and everything oh, yeah. to where... You'll get something even from a shitty instructor. You're, you're always the student, but then again, mm -hmm. you're trying to learn how they're doing things. And, hey, I really like this. I'm going to put it in my toolbox. Yeah. And then there's other stuff where, dude, like you need to maybe <laughs> look a little bit about how you're doing stuff here. I think that's a very, very valuable thing, and I think that's what they're trying to do up here, and that's and why it, I, I listen to is, how everyone else teaches too. And it, I, I think it. I'm not saying it's not valuable. I just, I wish they would give the noobs like more to work off of. I couldn't agree with because you more on so that. many of them show up with. I mean, they're handing out 30 pages of handouts per student. Mm -hmm. Like, no, dude, PD, God made PDFs for a reason. Yeah. Okay. I even said that in my last class, like I hand out seven pieces of paper. One's a waiver. One is the test and one is a practice test. Yeah. That's all the paper I hand out. You know why? Cause most of the paper ends up in the garbage. Yeah. So I'm only sending them home. I'm keeping four of those pieces of paper and they can keep three of them. Yep. And the bulk of the stuff is post class. When I send out the thank you email and this and that, and some of the references, I attach them to the email. Yeah. And so here's some, I used to a do quick that. reference guide and here's some others. I send them out now ahead of time. Okay. Like the email with all the details, like, uh, you know, we're going to have lunch at this time. If you want to bring a sack lunch, uh, there's, yes, there's somewhere for you to poop, whatever. Um, when I send that out, I attach uh, South Dakota's uh, Stand Your Ground Law, the bill that passed a couple of years ago, and then um, the a link to the... South Dakota firearms law handout that the secretary of state website has. Mm -hmm. Those are just in the email. They go out and they go there. So they've already got that. And then when I'm going through the laws, it's like, I get to sort of play the, Oh, so who actually at least browsed the law? <laughs> and one guy, <laughs> cause like one of the things, you know, what is the legal definition of a firearm? You know, cause firearm is defined in state law mm -hmm. and and this dude goes a device that expels a projectile by the use of gunpowder holy shit you're the first person who's ever spit it out immediately usually it's a guessing game you know mm -hmm. and it turned out this guy was a lawyer so when he got the handouts he actually read like every freaking word, even though he was familiar with some of it. He wasn't, he didn't know all of it, but he's like, no, I read all of it. And he's actually like a criminal defense lawyer. So it was like a lot of pertinent stuff, you know, that he already knew, like he knew a lot of that yep. stuff, but he didn't, 
necessarily know what the legal definition of firearm was. So, yep. yeah, that was kind of fun. And the reason why that's important, and you and I were talking about it on the way up here today, is uh, air rifles. Oh, yeah. you. There's no background. Just stop in and buy one. It's because it's it's not the definition. So you can... Here's another one. So. Is a muzzleloader a legal firearm? Is it a firearm? No. Why not? I that and that's the part that I can't I, I can't answer, which is which is because it doesn't very... use gunpowder. Okay. And gunpowder is defined as any propellant upon which upon oxidation that emits heat and light and is commonly used in firearm cartridges. Okay. Car- the cartridge is not using cartridges. Gotcha. Um so most muzzle loaders, there are some muzzle loaders that are legally firearms, but they're breech loading. And that's why. Mm-hmm. If it's a traditional, you know, stuff all the shit down the end of the barrel and you got a ramrod and you're doing all that. Musket style. Yeah. Basically a musket. Yep. Those are not, yes, they're guns and we treat them like guns and all guns are always loaded, but they're not legally firearms. You don't have to fill out a 4473 to buy a muzzle loader. Mm-hmm. You can buy a muzzle loader with a suppressor built into it. No paperwork, no background check. Just buy it. Thank you. For have it shipped government. to your front door. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... It's really, I mean, the one, the two things that really frustrate me with firearms laws, especially at the federal level, um, obviously suppressors are the most irritating thing because we just have to pay a $200 tax and wait extra long to get a thing that just makes our guns more quiet, or I should say less loud. Less loud. Less loud. Now, I... I do understand that if you're shooting subsonic ammunition, like that shit is fucking quiet. It is barely making noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ever shot a 357 lever action rifle with a suppressor on it, shooting 38 specials going 900 feet a second? I have a buddy that just ordered one, uh, and I will be doing that soon. So. Tyler has one. Okay. And he said, quit shooting the steel. Just shoot the berm. And you know what I heard when that went off? I heard click and thud. Yeah. That's the only noise I heard when it went off. As it's hitting the dirt. Like, I heard click thud yep. when it hit the dirt 25 yards away. Was stupid quiet. Yep. Um, Same thing happens out of my 22 bolt action, my little Ruger American. And oh, yeah. Well, and, and, and 22 I mean, rifles are really quiet anyway. They're really quiet because you're you're kind of towing that line of super and sub anyways. But then I put but the just little Most of the combustion is there. done before it leaves the barrel. So there's it. not much muzzle blast coming out the other end. Yep. Pistols are quite loud. Yep. Like an unsuppressed 22 pistol is still pretty damn loud. It's not as loud as a 9mm, but it's loud. Yep. Like it's unpleasant without hearing protection for oh, yeah. sure. But... The, I mean, there's, I think we're one of, I think we're either the only or one of two countries that actually regulates suppressors or silencers or whatever the fuck you want to call them. Yep. Um, They're treated like a machine gun, basically. Mm -hmm. And all they are is a muffler. Yep. Well, okay. It's only preventing the thing that happened anyway. Like the discharge happened. Well, then the police would get the fuck out of here. Yep. Like they're not, I mean. Gunshot goes off three blocks away from you when you're doing one of your monthly ride-alongs as a reserve officer. Yep. You know guns pretty well. Can you tell the difference between a firecracker and a pistol shot at three blocks? Yep. You can. <laughs> I. Well, I don't know if a I good, could definitively. So a, a good point is you know I live in the extreme southwest of Sioux Falls. 
okay? And no more than two blocks away, your people are setting fireworks off. It just irritates the neighbors and everything, whatever. I, the only reason I can tell the difference between a firearm or whatever is just because of the time of year. So around the 4th of July, there's no way I could tell the difference. Oh, okay. So, but I mean, if you're talking September, you know, September, October, September November, you're going to hear, like okay. That, then, then I would err on the side of that being a firearm. Okay. So, um, but I've heard both about the same distance and like, I mean, just face value. Yes. No. It's like I've heard fireworks get set off away from those times of year. Yeah. And I always want to go, you know what? I could go do a magnum in my backyard and no one would know. Okay. Well, take it this way. All of us are outside either on the on the deck or we're just finishing up something at the park and the canaries or something else across town gets done mm-hmm. and let off of fireworks. We all stop and look because we don't know what quite what it is right off the right. And so yeah. so yeah. And then we realize I still almost oh, always assume okay. fireworks. Yeah. I mean Exactly. Because the odds are just more in that favor, like some kids setting off fireworks out of season than yep. a gunshot. But um, until the police brief the next morning, and yeah. then you realize, oh, those were gunshots. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, though, I I don't know if you know this. The reason why my the two most annoying things, like okay, machine guns are on the NFA. I get it. I don't necessarily agree with it. Would I own one if I could? Probably not, because it's just a giant waste of ammo. There's no practical purpose for it. I mean, you were in the military. I mean, isn't the primary purpose of machine guns to keep bad guys' heads down while other guys are going around the side and flanking them? Suppressive fire or fire superiority is is king. Yeah. It's not necessarily about hitting and killing. It's about keeping heads down and keeping them from shooting at you. Yep. So you can either get out of there or flank them. Right. And yes, I mean, enemies are hit by it, but- it's not really job number one. It's kind of job number two or three. Yep. If I owned one, hell, when I'm playing Call of Duty and it's, if I've got a select fire gun, I go to semi-auto. Mm-hmm. I prefer semi-auto because it saves ammo. I can pull the trigger three times and get better hits than if I go and fire 12, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I wouldn't, probably wouldn't own one anyway. I don't necessarily think it they should be illegal, but that's the only one where I'm kind of like, okay, I get it. Kind of. But when it comes to suppressors, the only reason they're on the NFA, I don't know if you know this or not, but they were only added because uh, game wardens lobbied for it back in 1934. Hmm. It wasn't even law enforcement. It was, I mean, it's a subset of law enforcement. It was game wardens because, hey, uh, I can't tell if that poacher is, they're still fucking poaching. What difference does it make if it's a loud shot or not? Yeah. Well, I know where it's coming from. Not necessarily. Like I said earlier, I have been 600 yards away from rifle shots that I thought were three miles away. I would have been looking at the wrong guy. It couldn't have been that guy because he was so much closer. Sure. You know, it, it's so stupid. Like that, they lobbied for it and got it on the NFA. The other one that's annoying is short-barreled rifles. Do you know the story behind that? I only learned this like within the last year. Uh, concealment, isn't from it? Forgotten Ones has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Has nothing to do with concealment. Yeah. Pistols, semi-automatic pistols, were originally on the NFA in 1934. But as a loophole, they outlawed short-barreled rifles, rifles with a barrel less than 16 inches, and they just randomly picked 16 inches because they thought, well, somebody could get a rifle that has a barrel that's shorter than 16 inches and cut off the stock, 
or if it had a stock, you know, and then they just shortened it up. Well, then that's like a loophole to make it a pistol, but we want to make sure the pistols are not allowed. So it was basically a loophole cover for pistols, but then they removed pistols from the NFA and they didn't remove the short barreled rifles. That's why they're still illegal and you have to pay $200 in a tax stamp. Yep. It's fucking stupid. And at that time, $200 was... Was quite, a shitload of money. money. Yeah, it was a prohibitive amount of money. Only the richest gangsters were still able to buy it and get it anyway. Yep. Uh, yeah, I don't know when... I, I don't think I'd quite gotten back into shooting when they started to proliferate. Like c- civilian ownership of suppressors really started to grow. I don't think they were even used by cops much. It was... Until probably the 2000s. Yeah, no, I, I remember it. And, it, you know, you could get them, but it was almost like a, oh, I... The, the whole process was so tough, and nobody had really ventured down that road that yeah they, they were just very uncommon. And which now, now, so many companies, they basically do everything for you. And it isn't that complicated. It's just trying to learn how to do it is mm-hmm. the hard part. Sure. And the ATF does not make it easy to learn how to do it. Yeah. But all the companies who have done it, I mean, the one I own, I bought from Blue Collar Tactical, and they did everything right there. Took the picture, took the fingerprints. Um, wrote the trust that's state by state, but dependent based on trust laws in individual states, but in yep. South Dakota, they're pretty simple. So they literally wrote the trust for me right there. And I don't have to do any special filing. If I like, like I added my kids to my trust when I actually picked up my suppressor, when I, f- I finally got it after almost two years, um, which I had something go wrong with mine. That was why, um, they just added my kids to it. So when they're 18, or 21, whatever, whatever the minimum age is, yep. like they could possess them yep. um, without me present. So yep. it's, yeah, it's kind of dumb, but eh, they're so nice to go hunt with. But yet there's other countries out there that they regulate ammo, they regulate guns. That, but they don't regulate suppressors. you can walk into a Walmart and get yeah. a suppressor yeah. right off the shelf. And actually- And they're like $25. Some of the guys I, I follow on social media, they like people will stop you at a local range. Because it is rude to not shoot suppressed. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you shooting at full volume when you should be suppressed? So, yeah, it's it's very unique around the world. Even, uh, I don't, yeah, it the suppressors especially is just stupid. It is. I mean, it'll never get overturned because they're not going to, it's big business. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why Silencer Central has a big fucking building on the north end of Sioux Falls now. Because <laughs> they sell a shitload of suppressors. Yeah. And every time they sell one, the government gets 200 bucks. Do you think the government wants to give up their $200 every time? That's the number one reason. It's, it has nothing to do with public safety. Yep. Nothing. Absolutely nothing to do with it. They want their fucking money. Yep. And they're going to keep getting their money. Yep. And don't, and don't forget, you know, when I bought mine on, on uh, Black Friday, because it came from Silencer Central, my my 30 cal can that can go on my 308 or i can get a bushing like i shot today on my on my 556 my my ar uh the 22 can or the 22k is what it is came free if i bought the 30 cal can at full price uh, you mean like a 22 long rifle yeah, suppressor 22 oh, okay. long rifle yeah so that's what i've got on my on my bolt action 22 and i can screw it on my my ruger mark 7 anything like that right mm-hmm. so that suppressor came for free cuz that was a deal through silencer central 
but the government still got their still got to get their two hundred bucks. So Four hundred bucks just licenses I had to do on those. No, those so, were licenses. No, those license, were taxes. Those were taxes. Taxes. The, the stamp side of things. You had to so pay a was, tax. It was four hundred bucks on top of that, and then the cost of the one suppressor before the paperwork would even start. The um, the thing that is so annoying is when I got mine. I bought mine January thirty first of twenty nineteen from blue collar and the the giant fuck up here it had nothing to do with dave and the guys at blue collar they didn't do anything wrong the company who manufactured the suppressor which is no longer in business they lost their uh they lost their ffl um they were a little lazy about i guess the way it works is and i might be getting some parts of this wrong so if anyone listening totally understands this, forgive me, but there on the ATF's website, there's an inventory for dealers when they're processing them. The manufacturer puts it in the inventory for the dealer that they sold it to. Then when the dealer sells it, they have the number, the serial number that's already in their inventory on the ATF website or whatever. And then when they do the paperwork, they send it off. Well, when my application went in, my application date of January 31st was prior to the date my serial number hit Blue Collar's inventory on the ATF website. Huh. Start over, returned. This is after six months or eight months. Yeah. It sat there and did nothing. So I waited six to eight months to go, denied. Because according to them, that suppressor didn't exist when it was sold. Right. However... There had been many others and other ATF inspectors who just, so what? It's the right one. Like, this is semantics. I mean, what is, in, in, the, in the real world, what is the, what is the problem? There is no problem. It's just a matter of dates. Mm-hmm. However, the manufacturer didn't do it by the book. So whoever the dumbass was at ATF decided, denied. So I had to start all over again. I didn't have to do anything because... Uh, I think it was it was either uh Dave or Max just turned it right around and sent again. Actually, it was Dave because I talked to him about it because he called me and told me, "I'm sorry, dude, but this happened." And I wasn't the only one. There were a couple others. Same thing happened. Mm-hmm. Just because the manufacturer screwed up, and so he learned of a trick on a message board he's a member of for dealers of that sort of stuff, and. He, he intentionally left out the serial number so it would go back for correction, correct it, send it back. And a lot of times when they send it back, it'll go to the top of the stack so it would go through faster. Uh-huh. And it worked for a couple of them, but not mine. <laughs> I waited until October 2020 before I got that fucking thing. Oh, wow. I got it in time for deer hunting that year. So I I actually did shoot my Black Hills buck with that on my 308. But I bought it on January 31st of 2019. I got to take my property home that I paid for in October of 2020. Mm-hmm. 22 months later. Yeah. And all that money is paid and sitting there, and then that property shows up that, yeah. that amount of yeah. time later. No, and like, I was like, I, even when I bought it, I asked Dave, I'm like, okay, so do I pay for it now or do I pay for it then? He's like, well, 
uh, I suppose you could pay for it. I was like, no, I can pay for it now. That's fine. I'm just asking how it works. I didn't, I didn't know how it mm-hmm. works. Like, do I, do I pay for the suppressor when I pick it up or do I pay for it now? Yep. That's all I want. And typically you pay for it now and then you just pick it up when the approval comes through. Yep. I was, <laughs> I wasn't trying to be a tight ass. I was just, how does this work? I've never done this before. I don't know. Yep. But. No, yeah. there was two things when, when I called in, because I was able to do a lot of this over the phone, and then I had to come down and actually sign all the paperwork and everything once it was set up. But when I was on the phone with one of the sales guys at Silencer Central, he was, uh, you know, we're going to pay for all this off the battery. You want to do four installments? And I was like, well, if I do the installments, uh, is there added How much more interest does that cost? Or, or whatever? He's like, nope, there's not. It. I was like, installments then. Okay. <laughs> so I ended up spreading it over four or five months. Yeah. Um, and it was the same cost and everything, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. But the the part that it didn't frost me because I understand you know my time in the military and how the federal government operates and everything, and especially when you start getting into the bureaucratic side of Ugh. of the letter agencies, yeah. ATF and FBI, you know, it's just because like none of these people are cases. kicking out doors, no, for the ATF. They're literally sitting in DC processing right. applications, and they have the most boring fucking right. job ever. I started the long form, so the paper form, the snail mail, right? Five or six days later is when the digital form came. Oh, and yeah, but I that called, got slow fast too. But I called and I and I said, hey did my paperwork get started and filed and everything? Can, can we flip this around and do digital? And they said, unfortunately it already had been started and we can't take it back. Yeah. And so it was That's some like, of the couple, I heard stories like one guy got his like in nine days. Yeah. You know, there were and, some initially then, that were really fast, but then it got bad and cause the system was broken it, and it couldn't handle the traffic. It's it, 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 and now it's, it's just slowly, as slow as anything. Right. And, and so my my long form paper form or something like that was three hundred and sixty four days. It was Good I was one God. day one day shy of one year. So, like my initial denial was only like eight and a half months. So I guess I had that going for me. But then <laughs> the second one was like a year. Yeah, just stupid. Yep. Um. I okay. One thing I'll point out, like Jeremy and I are here in Pier to renew our instructor certification. Like if you get the enhanced pistol permit. Uh, you have to retake a class every five years when you renew. Um, we have to take it every two years as instructors. The One of the benefits of having any pistol permit in South Dakota is that you can skip the background check when you buy a firearm. And it works even with the basic permit. You just go to the sheriff's office, pay the 10 bucks, do an application, done. Now, it's still up to the store whether or not they want to submit it. Because there are some, I've heard Cabela's, they're still going to, you're still doing a 44, or they're still doing a background check. They don't care. Yep. Um, uh, I can't remember if Runnings does or not. Somebody told me they do, and someone told me they don't. Um, But I can tell you this about Shields, and our friend Matt works there. And so once you start the application, that's it. You have started the application. Well, at Shields, they started digitally on a laptop. Yes. So when you hand them your driver's license and they go in the back and they get the laptop set up, if you haven't said, I have an enhanced permit or I have a pistol permit so we can skip this background check, too late. It's getting sent. And if you're somebody who has already 
who has problems getting delayed because you have a name like John Smith and how many John Smith felons are there in the country? Probably a lot. Or Williams. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You're going to get delayed. And a mutual friend of ours had this happen to him because he has a super common name, Robert, Mm. got delayed. And he's like, I have a permit. And then they didn't do it. And then I asked him, he said, and I asked Matt, I was like, what's the deal? Why didn't they do that? And he's like, well, did you give him the permit before or after the laptop came out? And then I asked him, oh, it was after. Well, you dickhead. I was like getting after my buddy who works there going, why the hell are you doing this? You know better. <laughs> Turns out he did, did it wrong. Yeah. Not necessarily wrong. He just not soon enough. So Yeah. Um, and, and what Andy's talking about too is when you have these permits and you go in, it's it's not skipping. And I know where he was going with it. It's that the ATF and, and other recognizes to the extent yeah. that the background that has been done before the state issues the cards is so much is more so much than better than what they do for a Nix check site yeah for a Nix check and so that's where um if you bring and actually your card fbi in. decides that sure if the that isn't an atf thing like if they decide you can skip the next because the fbi does the next check um that was a thing that came from it. Like they had to, well, like the fingerprint cards are FBI cards mm-hmm. and they got an FBI number on them. Um, it's a, apparently that's up to them if they approve, you know, they, the state, like the secretary of state just said, Hey, uh, we do all this background check. Can they bypass Nick's if they've got a permit? They say yes. And then they sent a letter and then that's a thing. Yep. Um, so, yep. and it's super handy if you get delayed a lot. Cause I've known a few people who get delayed a lot and they honestly, I never carry a gun, but I get delayed every time I buy a rifle and I like bolt action rifles and I get delayed every time and I don't like it. So now I don't get delayed anymore because I have a permit yep. to get that so I can bypass all that. Yep. And if you're a gun store owner and, the, and, a, and a delay comes back or a, anything other than approved, they have a certain amount of discretion, but if they authorize a gun to go out onto the streets and then all of a sudden it comes back as a denial, yeah, that is a very, very bad situation to be in. But if it's three days, so, right. then it's just approved. Right, right. I mean, it's considered approved. It's not on the gun store anymore at that point. Right. Um, by the way, I have so. Bushmills 12-year. <laughs> I poured you yes. a shitty cup. Econo Lodge An Econo Lodge Cuffy Paper Cup. Uh, my brother would be going crazy right now about the fact that I'm defiling Bushmills by putting it in a shitty hotel coffee cup. Um, this is pretty smooth stuff. I think you're going to enjoy this. It's good stuff. And it's the most portable bottle I have that's actually good whiskey. Mm-hmm. Huh? And in listening to the the past podcast and everything, the holding it flavor, I'm doing everything that all you guys have said, mm-hmm. and that's that's different taste. Yeah. So you when, can start picking the when you and I out. sipped whiskey before, you were just shooting it, pretty much. Oh, and and it wasn't a sh- like a full shot. It was I'd take a sip, take and, a then, sip and then but you weren't really right tasting away. it. It just went by and went down your throat. Correct. Yeah, yep. you got to taste it, man. It's. Yeah. No, this stuff's really good. Like, you can really pick stuff out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't always know what it is. I just know I like it. Yeah. Like, I really like Bushmills Irish Whiskey. Uh, Buffalo Trace is my favorite. That Eagle Rare is also quite good. Uh, when we were going down to 
um, going down to my folks' house a lot here after uh, dad passed away. Um, I brought down a bottle, my bottle of Eagle Rare and my bottle of Addictivo that uh, Diane gave me. And the, the Addictivo was actually my favorite one to like, here, try this one. My sister-in-law, Chelsea, I'm like, you got to try this one. This one's good. Um, and just quite good. It's a really kind of, it has sort of a syrupy flavor to it. Like it's really sweet along with all the other whiskey flavors in it. It's really unique from everything else I've drank. And, uh, and even my brother who's super picky and if it's not super smooth, it's shit. He was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. That's, I actually kind of like that. That's not bad. Yeah. That was, that was a good one. Nice. Uh, Diane only bought it cause the bottle was pretty. But um, <laughs> it was good. No, this is, I mean, if you're looking for a real solid whiskey, Bushmills is pretty tough to beat. I've, it's the only Irish whiskey I've ever had, but I already know I like it. So It, it is good. It's decent. The, there's a 10-year also, and those are around 40 bucks. Um, I haven't tried that one yet, but I have tried the white bottle, the cheap stuff. That's like around 30 bucks, but I think I'd rather just get a 10-year. Yep. And just um, think if this was in an actual glass. It'd be so much better. So much better. <laughs> the cardboard. But I kind of wanted to do that just because it was going to be sort of janky and ghetto, whatever. Just stupid. That's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, what else is going on, man? Um, you haven't shot all year because you are torturing yourself by not allowing yourself to shoot matches, except for a select few. Like you shot Area 3. Yep. And um, I have Iowa coming and up in I, two you're, weeks. You and I are on the same squad for yep. Iowa. That's going to be fun. You and yep. me and Tyler and Mitch. And are there some other Sioux Falls people on our squad? Uh, not since I've looked last. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that'll be a good time. Yeah. Because um, last year was a blast. Oh, we, weren't not, e- we weren't even on the same squad, and we all no, had fun those two days. But <laughs> just dinner that night at the Mexican joint was so good. Uh, Bert is not in. He didn't get in. Oh, no. I know. I'm so disappointed. I know that I know that there was some work stuff because we were we were harassing him pretty bad. Like Mitch he could were, go so. now, but he didn't know that until after it was sold out. Yeah. So yeah, and being being in law enforcement and time off, you can about imagine short oh, short yeah. time like that. It gets pretty tough to take time. Yeah. Off, so I mean, I've other guys in the sport who I don't even know well, but like they've been on a podcast or something and mentioned it. It's like, look, if I can get away with asking for like nationals off that's about all i'm gonna be able to like demand all year otherwise everything's gonna be sort of up in the air yeah whether or not i get it off so yep. um but, but no, no what i was getting at is you've been denying yourself going to matches yep because uh you saw yourself in a video and thought you looked fat and so you decided to lose weight oh no was fat <laughs> um no well, so yeah the- i'm not i'm not arguing that point <laughs> So the whole, the whole, pre- oh, for a while, I mean, I've always been a, a bigger guy, uh, but when I, I always try Great Plains, you know, it's your match. I, it's local to us. I want everyone to have fun, love working it, love shooting it. But when I saw a couple of the videos and some of the pictures afterwards and everything, I was like, Wow. And when I when I was on the scale around that time, so we're talking like early May. Mm-hmm. Um, I was two sixty two, two sixty five, something like that, and and you know I stand six foot tall, 
and everything. I was like, nope, now's the time. I, I'm done. And I actually got to the point where I was angry with myself. Um, shortly after I heard the podcast between you and your wife about, you know, the consistency and everything and um, some of your other guys that you've had on that. Well, that I know how to lose weight. I just don't. The exercise side of things. So <laughs> I've, I've done it before. For, for years. I've. Either, I just like discipline. That's that, my problem. Right, right. And for years it's been. I exercise, but I don't diet. Right. Or I diet and I don't exercise. I right. exercise to say this fat. <laughs> so I I combined them both. And I just said, you know, for accountability, for everything else, just because I, I love being on the range, I love doing, you know, I'm not allowed to go back shooting until I get down to X, right? And so what was my, X? My perfect goal is between 2 and 2.15. And four or five days ago i just hit 222 so i'm i'm down exactly 40 pounds since may and i'm constantly hungry everyone i'm just letting you know that right now is the pizza i was so tonight, proud so, of jeremy he only ate like four of the slices i had my full half plus <laughs> one and there's still two slices left in the box and Honestly, you kind of shamed me into not eating the last two because I totally could have. Oh, I funny. was so fucking hungry. That's funny. So, I could have crushed the whole thing. I was so hungry after we because I, I didn't. I had a. I woke up kind of late this morning. I didn't really get out of bed until about almost nine. Uh, we were up till about midnight, and I just lazy day. Didn't get out of bed till about nine, and I stupidly texted you. I'll be ready to leave about eleven, without even like really considering. Okay. Does Crystal have anything she needs me to do before I leave? Uh, oh, I still need to like finish my presentation off before I leave. I need to print shit out before I leave. I need to pack things I didn't realize weren't packed. Um, but anyway, I, I, I had like a late sort of a, a brunch around ten thirty or so. I had some scrambled eggs and hash browns, and uh, so that was all I ate all day until we ate pizza now. That was literally all I had eaten. So by the time, and we didn't walk a ton. We didn't burn a ton of calories. We were just out in the sun a whole bunch. And yep. and it had been a solid eight plus hours since I'd eaten anything. And I could have inhaled that whole pizza myself. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not terribly, even though I know you're doing the weight loss thing, I'm just like, we're tra even if I'm like being really disciplined, if I'm traveling for one night, fuck it. Oh. I'm just going to eat whatever. It's one night. It's not going to set me back a month of working out and dieting, you know. Last month when, when we were at Area 3 down in Nebraska, yeah. it was hibachi. Yeah. Uh, you know, we went to the brewery the night before. Oh, I mean, poor Mitch. So it was one of those where if if I'm out doing stuff like this, like I'm the diet Enjoy and everything. It can take I'm, a break. In moderation. Yeah. That's how I run it. When I'm at home. Then it's a it's a different story, right? It, and and that's that's the way I've been looking at, it and it's been working out great. Oh, I, was, I will say this for pizza. This is the first time I've had pizza in a long time, a well, very long time. The pizza was, was also my fault great. because <laughs> <laughs> the pizza was my idea because I brought the podcast recorder and I was like, well, if we go out for dinner, that's going to be like another hour and a half, and then we won't have as much time for pod, and uh. I'd rather get a pizza, a six pack of beer and my Bushmills and then we'll do a podcast and this will be better cuz we'll probably end up going out for lunch tomorrow. Yep. Cuz the class always has a full hour lunch break and Guadalajara is the way to 
is the place to go. Guadalajara is always the best restaurant in every town, even though it's run by someone different in every single city. Mm-hmm. It's just the name everybody likes for their Mexican restaurant. I think that's what it's called here. I ate, the, I ate there a year and a half ago. I ate there with my dad once hunting. Phenomenal Mexican restaurant. Yep. Really good. Guadalajara's, uh, Sioux Falls, Gilberto's. I've never eaten a Gilberto's. Oh, yeah. And uh, be careful with their breakfast burritos. I mean, the size of your forearm. Like, oh, really? Monsters. Oh. oh, yes. Um, well, I, authentic Mexican is gonna be pretty tough for Taco John's to beat, but I fucking love Taco John's breakfast burritos. Yeah, yeah they do. A, Those are so good. Great job. Um, the uh, my niece. Uh, well, when you were running the traffic lights the other night at the cross country meet, they had it. Was it Yankton Trail Park? Yeah. The Twilight Track meet. Yeah. Yep. So my or cross country. I, I had a, I had a niece running in it, and then uh, another niece who's in college in Fargo came down to watch her sister run. Um, my wife's sister's daughters. Um, they were all down, and uh, they were going to. Uh, my niece and my daughter were going to go somewhere after they they stayed later to watch other friends that they both knew were running, and then they were going to. Um, the taco joint you just mentioned. I'm blanking. Gilberto's. Gilberto's. Yeah, yep, yep. I kept wanting to say Guadalajara's, and I knew that was wrong. They went to go get tacos at Gilberto's on Minnesota Avenue, mm-hmm. and my uh, unlike a lot of people who like you know get gluten free shit because I think it's just healthier. She's my niece is actually gluten intolerant. Like it really kind of fucks her up. And they didn't have anything. She's like, well, if I can't get tacos, no one's getting tacos. So <laughs> she wouldn't let my daughter get anything at Gilberto's. Oh, man. And, and they ended up going to Culver's instead, I think. I just thought that was funny. She's like, if I'm not getting Mexican, nobody's getting Mexican. Because um, she <laughs> didn't have any gluten-free shit. Is there gluten in corn? No. I suppose it, the tortillas, though, are all flour yeah yeah but i tell you what when we were down at uh area three in grand island uh you know we met up with you on friday Mm -hmm. so you had just got done staff match we had just got done because we were shooting was that the brewery the brewery night that was the first night okay well in our gps route to the brewery brought us right through downtown or i want to say almost like little mexico because i mean it was food truck after food truck and everything oh i ended up looking at i looked at my buddy and i was like well actually he ended up we looked at each other and he said at first he's like this is lunch tomorrow (laughs) and and we're oh so we ended up shooting our our we did the a.m schedule saturday sunday and after saturday was done uh it was right around noon we ended up going back to that same area majority of the food trucks were We're still there were there but they weren't open oh we ended up finding this joint um, it was uh, a hard structure, and we ended up going in, and, and luck, the family spoke, spoke great English that was in front of the line, and so uh, Mitch started asking them, you know, what's good and different stuff, and before long, um, there was two separate things that he really wanted to try, and it, we ended up getting a taco, and it had cow tongue for meat, and there was another one where – the intestines and they end up cutting them the long way and, and yeah. they use it as like a noodle. Yeah. And I've heard of was, that. we were, at, we wanted to find the most authentic food 
and we didn't care what the building or the food truck or anything yeah. looked like. Yeah. Like, and it delivered. It was <sighs> wonderful food. The only thing I would have done so. different is, um, a pretty, a pretty safe bet is if they speak very little or no English, you're getting good shit. You're oh. getting some really good food at yep. a restaurant where they maybe have like one person who can speak English yep. and no one else can. You're getting amazing food. I seriously like look for that. Have you eaten at that food truck in Canton? I have not yet. Oh, dude. Those guys make amazing yeah. food. The only thing I don't like about it is it's so fucking hot, like temperature-wise when you get it. Like I'm all the way back to Sioux Falls before I can finally eat it. Oh, that's funny. It's not like Qdoba where you can like eat it right away. 30 minutes later, you it's, can actually take a bite. It's literally all the meat and the veggies and everything's coming right off the grill, going straight in the tortilla. Yep. It's getting all the stuff on there, and it's wrapped up before it can cool down a lick, and it's so fucking hot. Yeah. And... So after I got it the first time, I think it's called Hacienda. It's so good. It's right uh, when you go, if you're going towards the range, um, the one stoplight in Canton, mm -hmm. it's just past that one stoplight to the east. Uh, in, in a, where there used to be a gas station years ago, mm -hmm. um, there's like a hair salon right behind it. It's just a food truck sitting there with a pop-up tent that got fried last year in the summer and it fell apart over the winter. The frame of it's still there. And so is the food truck, and it's amazing. I'm trying it then. It's so good. Deal. And it's reasonably priced. Like, they yep. get this giant burrito for, like, nine bucks. Yeah. Like, huge burrito. It's so good. Oh, well, if we didn't have that guy that was in line in front of us and the two of those guys were talking, he ended up ordering for us in Spanish just because oh. it was – so we were in the right spot. <laughs> right. And then the funny part was was we, we got our receipts. We went to sit down, and – we were the only two white guys in there. I'm just going to, you know, yeah. and, and when they called out the orders, they said it in Spanish and both of us are just sitting there just looking at the ceiling. Pardon me? But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the guy that ordered for us ended up throwing something at us. Hey, those are your two orders. And we, so it was, it was That's a so lot funny. of fun, but it was damn good food. Oh. oh my God. It was good. The, uh, uh, I ate at a place, dad and I took dad to, uh, Got a hold of Green Bay Packers tickets. Took him to a Packer game for his birthday in 2005, and we were staying in uh, doesn't matter some town in Wisconsin. It wasn't Green Bay. It was like most of the way to Green Bay, and uh, <laughs> we at the hotel we were staying at that night. My dad walks up to the gal at the the front desk and goes, Are "There any good Mexican restaurants in town?" Uh, yeah, there's this place and this place and this place. And, and he literally said, where's the one where they speak the least English? And she said, uh, my favorite. And it's this one. And it's like in a strip mall. Like you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't assume it's some of the best restaurants are in strip malls. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. And it was fucking fantastic. It's probably the best Mexican food I've ever had. It was so good. Um, just amazing. I mean, it was amazing. Um, okay. I have so. family in Wisconsin in Plymouth, kind of not too far Where's from that? Green Bay. Oh, okay. And uh as a little kid growing up, going there and visiting them, everything I we got into the the cheese side of things. And now if I've got family or friends or whatever, I'm like, "Hey, you're going to Wisconsin, huh?" 
Get me some gonna, squeaky you're cheese. You're going to get me some squeaky cheese and bring it back for me. Uh-huh. The curds. I need a bag of curds, please. I'm really into spotted oh, cow. So now if I have friends going to Wisconsin, I need them to bring me a case of spotted cow. Sure. Um, I've I've got one bottle left in my fridge, and uh, and then Dustin brought me a case of cans. I only took the cans because I hadn't had canned yet. I haven't actually drank any of it yet. I uh, brought some to Area 3, but then I let Bruce and uh, Bob drink it all, so... <laughs> <laughs> um which i was able to meet those guys too that's yeah that's a fun from i rapid. mean i've they've come and shot sioux falls before but not into the point that you know we talked and they really and had a chance else. to interact yeah so it was nice it was they're a lot chattier than you and mitch were i kind of almost felt bad that night at the brewery because you you and mitch were just kind of sitting there listening because bob was really drunk and bruce was just being bruce but um bob was drunk and he was talking a lot and he wasn't shutting up and i love the guy don't get me wrong um, and you guys are kind of barely talking and weren't even close to as lit up and weren't loud enough to just like interrupt. And so it was sort of like, this is really funny. I love how awkward this is right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, as soon as he started to talk about what he did for a job, oh, you know, that was interesting. As yeah. Well. I got, I need to get him on because he works for some company who does stuff for the government with ammunition. Yeah. And I, I don't even, it's got a name. It's in the same, what did he say? It's in the same building as Black Hills Ammunition? Something like or that. Or it's near yeah. it? Or... He said lately he was, he was working on primers, but it, these primers were more like not what you find in guns, more on ejector seats and right. like for different mechanics. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, you had me at ejector. Yeah, like, an ejector let's seat. Let's talk about I this I was a like, bit. okay, what? Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a primer that has to ignite that rocket. Yeah to eject the guy out so it's a primer kind of like a firearm cartridge yeah you know it's this small explosive that's hit with a firing pin and then it lights off another explosive and then yeah that needs to be way more reliable than what we have going through fire yeah yep and i mean when's the last time you had a primer just not work oh yeah i mean I, it happens but it's pretty rare yep. i mean usually my biggest problem is federal primers want to roll over before I get them in the case. That drives me fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, but no, like listening to what he, and then tracer colors. He was oh, yeah. messing with tracers. Yep. Like, and uh, I'll tell you what that, I mean, that was a, a fun job. part of, that was a fun part of being in the military on the other side is when you get to Shooting shoot that tracers. shit off. Oh, <laughs> when we were handed ammo, when we first got overseas and you know, loading mags, it's, Four rounds of FMJ, because even you know in, hollow, like, even because, in your rifles, yeah, and because hollow points are illegal, G- Geneva Convention. Well, so they're FMJ, but well, it was that hasn't stopped them from using seventy-seven grain open tip, yeah, bullets. Well, it's that's that's what the world agrees on, but whether it's followed or not, I I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in in some of the the magazines, it was four rounds of FMJ and one tracer for, you know, and, or they came preloaded that way on some of our, uh, at the time we, well, still, I think is, is the saw, the squad automatic weapon. Mm. And they came pre-filled in the belts, um, as it ran through. And then that's, you know, and then obviously my gun I was on was the 50 cal. Um, th- those had, those had the tracers built into them. So like every five rounds or so? Every five or so. Yes. Okay. For reference. I'm pre- I'm I'm 90% sure this is factually accurate. The cartridges that were fired and killed Osama bin Laden 
were manufactured in Rapid City. No. Because a lot of the Special Forces guys use Black Hills 77 grain open tip match in their guns. And they're pretty much getting them all from Black Hills. So you get into units like that, and there is nothing mil spec about what they no. use. So, well, and so it, I did read that when it comes to like sniper ammo using hollow points for that, they're not using hunting hollow points, they're using match hollow points. Sure. And so, because the it's not the Geneva Convention, it's the Hague Convention, where it was ammunition should not cause undue suffering that was interpreted as expanding hunting bullets should not mm-hmm. be used just solid bullets yep and i can't remember where the hell i read it i think it was in the book american rifle that i have that's a fantastic book you should read that it's like the biography of every american service rifle dating back to george washington's rifle oh wow it's cool all the way up to the m4 and then stuff that was experimental the XM8. Did you ever see those goofy-looking guns they oh, were experimenting yeah. with? Yeah. It was written in about 2006, so yep. um, it ends there. But um, the uh, – uh, uh, what the fuck was I talking about? Bullets. Rifles. Shit. I don't know. Okay. Well, we were talking – you had the XM8, but then we were talking about – the uh, Geneva and oh the Hague Convention yeah the yeah Hague. and I think it was in that book where I read that they just decided look I'm better off shooting this at the one guy I actually mean to hit versus shooting a less ballistically efficient FMJ yeah full metal jacket bullet ball ammo that may or may not hit as well just because of the shape of the bullet yeah. so yeah um. That was sort of the logic. And like match bullets just crumple when they hit stuff anyway. Um, I'm a, not a big proponent of people who use match ammo for hunting because it just comes apart. Sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Yep. You know, I've known people who have dropped animals immediately with it. Uh, I know of somebody who had to chase a doe for uh, three miles before they found it. And then they spooked it again and had to chase it for another two. Yeah, that's and and this is a guy I respect. Yeah, you know, so um, it you're really just better off buying a hunting bullet. <laughs> they sure. do the job they're supposed to. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, uh, area three though that was fun. Um, it was, except for you and Mitch getting all the penalties on the barrel stage. Sorry about that. Yeah, me I. I was the, that was so being Williams being the last name, but I was first shooter on that, so that was the tenth stage because we had nine or ten shooters, whatever. And uh, barrels outside a target, and uh, I or outside the shooting area, outside the shooting area. So it, it was it was whatever, and it was a hard lean, and I ended up going over, and uh, I have video of it. But you definitely hit them. But whether or not you were in contact them with them while shooting was, I mean, the video was much farther away than the RO. Maybe you were still in contact with them. And right. by the letter of the rule, right. that would have been the correct call. Right. I think the rule is kind of fucked up because unless you're actually using it for support, it doesn't matter. Right. I mean. And, and talking with some of the other squads and, you know, when I stopped by your stage and I was talking to other people, like there was three or four different rules that people were referencing or so and and everything but 
Yeah, I, I got did, a per shot the, procedural at, on those. At so, the time, I did not know that rule, though. Like, right. if you're touching it, period, and it's outside the shooting area, it's a per shot penalty. Right. I did not know that. Right. Um, yep. And so and when I leaned Tim around Tim Dundry this, actually told me that, and I looked it up. I was like, oh, shit, he's totally right. Yep. Okay. Well, yep. I guess you're and, fucked, man. And that's and that's the part I, I didn't really know all that much because being – competitive advantage right that's where i was going with it there and, was no competitive advantage to touching those barrels with when i was leaning around and other than you was, could actually lean and see the targets right there was two two targets i you know alpha 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 charlie whatever it ended up being and then when i unload show clear holstered range was called safe whatever i turned around and the ro had four fingers up in the air and i go what and yeah. we went walking back he explained it and that's where my disagreement started was if it was a competitive advantage, I had no problem with that. But I didn't see where it was, nor did I feel it when I was shooting. So the argument was, did, was it one shot procedural or was it all four shots? And I dropped it very quick and everything, but then... Because you're not a douchebag. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't <laughs> It wasn't even that because it would. it was happening... On this stage, quite a bit, and yeah, then it, well, you weren't my, the first one to have it happen. Yeah, my one of my best friends saw this happen. He was the next shooter up behind me because B is first, so and Williams is last. Now he drops right below me, and the init, the next one, he gets dinged for two out of the four of his shots, and he and that was fresh on his mind because he just saw it happen to me, and yeah. so that's where. A little bit of whatever. And the one thing I said to Tim, so, though, my oof. argument against that, because I think he was there when I was talking to you about this, when you were telling we, me about that. We were that. all there, yes. And my only argument with Tim was, uh, that's not how we were enforcing it on staff day. And that's the first time I had heard that, too. And, I, and it didn't even cross a, my mind. I mean, he was 100% right. That is the rule. Like, if you're touching it, period, it's a per-shot penalty. But I was like, nobody got that penalty on Friday. No, literally no one. Interesting. Yep. And I watched my video. It didn't look like I touched it, but I'm left-handed. So it was easier for me. All you righties were having to lean farther, mm -hmm. you know, and you're about the same size as me. Your shoulder had to go farther to get your firing hand out there yep. and get your pistol in front of it where mine didn't. So, and the whole reason why I even flirted with those barrels was because being right-handed, I didn't want to touch the wall in the front and be, considered using that as support because that would that was support. in the shooting area wasn't it I, you could have used that one for I'm, support i'm kind of wondering I'm pretty sure it was well yeah so that because there's no fall line there it was right. just the wall right. you could have touched that right. one right so but i mean it it wasn't i was never in any part of a dollar amount of winning I, no i'm just b class like whatever but that was I got to the point where where that when rules are I, dumb. It's frustrating. I very rare. I, I actually never argue one, but this was the one time I actually spoke up and asked for clarification mm -hmm. because it it just it just didn't seem right. What I have called it that way as an RO is how I was looking at it, and it was just it was so close to yeah. being on the the line of judgment wise. Like I've oh yeah. So I mean <laughs> the because when you sent me the video of it, I thought it was like maybe one, but mm -hmm. it was really hard to tell. And the video doesn't 
just because you have video doesn't mean it shows everything. Right. Uh, the RO's eyes were close, much closer than the camera was. Right. So it would have been easier to tell if you were touching. And by and I'm I'm all in favor of enforcing the rules as they are written. Yep. You know. So if that is the rule, which I didn't realize that was the rule at the time, um, the competitive advantage usually applies to like a footfall outside the shooting area. Mm-hmm. Was it an actual advantage or was it just you weren't inside the shooting area? Yeah. Um, even that is still kind of subjective, but. Um, you know, what was really unfair though, was how long it took Mitch to get a sushi <laughs> at the dinner on night two. Oh God. Yeah. It yeah. took forever for that fucking it sushi was, to show it was, up. It was sushi, but then he got, uh, what was it? St- Chislick or steak? Chi- no, steak fried tips? ice cream or what? Uh, no, he ended up getting that steak too. That ended up being rubber. I think oh, he got something else something too. Something like that, yeah. Did that come after I had to leave? Uh no. No, it was it was at the same time. No. No, I, he got a dessert of I'm some sorry. kind. It was. It was fried cheesecake. Fried cheesecake, that's yeah, what it was. And that was that was the part that semi saved it. It was it I was mean good. it was good stuff. It was good. Um yeah, because you and I were like done eating our hibachi food. Yeah. Which and was his sushi hadn't even showed up. <laughs> and the hibachi and, guy was already out and, and gone. Yeah. Like so. he was done with his little show. Right. And our food was mostly gone, and then I posted that video on Instagram of <laughs> and you of it, poor Mitch. Yep, poor Mitch had no food while me and Jeremy are like, oh, we're Halfway so full. Oh, I'm yep. so full. That was good though. Mm-hmm. That fried rice, like that was a shitload of rice. That was a lot of. Food. It was a lot of rice. Yep. The the glycemic index for rice is not good. I know that. Yep. It's worse than pasta, but. Yep. No, that was fun. No, that was that was a good weekend. That was I I realized what I needed to work on and what I skills not being around for a lot of the matches throughout the summer mm-hmm. and and some practices that I usually worked in there not doing it, you know, just focusing on the gym and everything else and it showed like I shot a lot of alphas. But it was slow. As slow. Shit. Yeah, it it was. I what did I say to you? Did I say you were shooting like a bitch? Yeah, something when like I that. When I came through your stage, yeah, he goes, "Hey, your hits were there, but you're a bitch about this thing." <laughs> <laughs> like you need to pick it up. Because <laughs> I remember early this year, you I was shooting with you at like one of the first club matches, and you shot with your hair on fire. Yep. I mean, you had a couple of mics, but it was fucking fast. Yep. Like. There was one you even did get penalty free, I recall, in Bay Four that was really fast. And had you not had like seven deltas, you would have destroyed me on that stage. Yep. It was just points you were were losing, but it was Yep. That early in the year fast. and even last fall, I was I was really focused on speed. Like I wanted to understand the movement and if the you gun was even within the pr- the the perfs. I was pulling the trigger. It wasn't mm-hmm. just alpha. I was just going for two hits, but I wanted to recognize the speed side of things. And that's where, yeah, the hits really suffered, but I was flying. So the first stuff. time you shot a USPSA match and you saw like one of the guys who was good, you know, like maybe it was John or like Sherwin shooting mm-hmm. open. My perception of watching them shoot was, so I have to learn how to not aim and hit stuff. Yeah. Was sort of what I thought was happening. Oh, one of the first guys I ever saw, I went up to him and I go, did you even see your sights? Like, or how are you moving like that? Like, it, it's just, and that's where, 
Yeah, and that's where the not the addiction, but just the there's a whole lot to learn and it's wow. so hard to perfect. Exactly. It's it's why I haven't bought a bow. Oh yeah. Because I'll be the same way with a bow as I am a pistol. Right? That's why I mean um I mean I was bragging a little and Jeremy was hyping me up about some of the shots I made today shooting prairie dogs, but like rifle shooting is inherently easier than pistol shooting. Mm -hmm. It just is. Um, To a point. I mean, extreme long rifle, you know, the guys that are shooting like long range stuff, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. However, they can't hit the broadside of a barn with a pistol. Sure. They can hit a steel plate at a thousand yards and like a 25 yard plate is a miss every time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different animal. There's just different things that have to be done with a pistol that are not a concern with a rifle. Um, technology matters less with a pistol than it does a rifle. Whereas technology is a huge advantage with a rifle. Dudes have been shooting plastic guns and winning titles for the last few years. It's more about them than the gun. Mm-hmm. Like they could, I mean, if a high point could hold more ammo, they could probably be competitive with it, yep. you know, and, and they got it to run. Well, hell today, I just learned what, uh, on the size of targets we were shooting at the prairie dogs, what distance my scope was able because of the size of the reticle. And, and that the reticle was, was your about, hang up. It wasn't the scope. I mean, right? you had a one to six scope. It was enough magnification. Right. But the reticles are so fat in those scopes that it's tough to yep. aim at small targets yep. and, and get very precise. Um, and that distance was just shy of 300 yards on a target of that size. I, so if I had told you, hey, if you get time, go throw a bigger scope on whatever rifle you're bringing, would you have done it? Would you have had time? I yeah I would I would have had thrown to, one on and we could have gotten zeroed it maybe yeah I I would have had to steal one but from a different gun or something yeah. like that but yeah I I would have and just just to achieve some of the longer stuff that I saw you yeah you do oh absolutely like, I mean all I had was like a I think mine's like a four and a half to fourteen mm-hmm. the scope I had on it's a very old Burris MTAC um but it's a damn good scope. It's just worked fantastic for me ever since I bought it on clearance from, I think I got it at Cabela's website for like 200 bucks on clearance. Yep. Um, it's been really, just a really good solid scope. I've had others that are very confusing and more expensive and they're probably better for people who know how to use them. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but I've, like, had, I've had multiple people say, buy the optic and build a gun around it. Uh, yeah. Um, to, to an extent, depending on what you're going after. Yeah, what you're doing with it. Like it all comes down to purpose with firearms. Mm-hmm. Like, what is this for? Um, if it's general fun, you know, and you're buying a pistol, like, kind of doesn't matter. Just buy a full size. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. buy a little one. Yep. If this is for general shooting fun, don't buy a little tiny one. Yep. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, pretty much anything will do in that case. Um, even just like our carry gun sitting on the nightstand here in the hotel room, we have. I mean, I. I compete with a Glock, but I don't carry one. Yep. I carry a CZ. That is, but I I like it for a very specific reason. Sure. It's a double action, single action gun. And I just like that extra bit of security. It's also plastic. So I get the best of both worlds. I'm not afraid to carry a Glock, you know, in any way, shape or form. Yep. Um, 
I, I just have nicer holsters for this gun than I do my Glock, so I carry this. Yeah. I mean, I have the same pistol you have there, a Glock 19. But both holsters I have for my Glock 19, I don't like them, either one of them. I almost carry, I almost brought my Glock today as uh, my carry gun, and the holster I have that's like this one is one of the old crossbreeds that's like carrying a brick mounted to a piece of sheetrock in your pants. Ugh. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. <laughs> they changed the design of that holster. They don't make those anymore. Oh, yeah. Because it's just riveted on, and it sucks. Um, the new ones look way better. Yep. Um, but. No, I can see your CZ being, I mean, great gun to carry. Great. I, I just, I, uh, it's like what, I was telling you earlier, I my, my carry when I first got into the whole. You said that was the first protection. pistol you ever bought, right? That was the first pistol I ever bought. Um, and it was a 19. That was one the first pistol I shot USPSA with and everything and then i was like okay i am there's a lot better out there even as in the same brand if you stuck with glock oh yeah you know go full a 17 a 34 35 mm-hmm. you know depending on caliber but then um i went smaller and i carried a 43 and i absolutely hated it yeah we well, were it, oh it was great we it were was, having this discussion on the way up it was great for comfort. Certain times I'd even forget I was wearing it. Yep. That's about but the only thing they're good for. My my wife called it the little asshole because it the the recoil and it just was not pleasant to shoot. And I I hate it. I ended up that's one of the rare guns that I've actually sold and I never bought again and I've 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 carried this Glock nineteen ever since. Yeah. They're they're small and they're easy to hide and I mean they have a purpose. But if it's the only pistol you're going to own, you're going to, you're not going to shoot it for fun. Sure. And some, I actually, I will often say this. I say this to convey a specific message, but I never can, I never specify what my message is. Um, I will often say little guns aren't fun to shoot. And someone would take that as someone who's newer to like, they want to, they they've found a need for self-defense and being able to protect themselves with a pistol. And they're like, I'm not, this isn't about fun for me. And I said, I understand where you're coming from, but on some level going to the range and shooting needs to be fun mm-hmm. or you won't do it. Yep. And if pulling the trigger on this pistol is unpleasant, either because it kicks really hard or because the manner in which it recoils smacks your hand or finger in a weird way. I used to have a little Taurus carry gun. It was a little 380. It was kind of like the LCP. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do they call it? There's the TCP or something like that. It was like 738. That trigger guard would beat the shit out of my trigger finger every time it went off. There was nothing I could do about it outside of like putting skateboard tape on it because it would just, it was such a little light gun when it went off. It just beat the shit out of my finger. Mm-hmm. I never practiced with it. And I hated it. And I traded it off with another gun to buy my three-gun rifle back in the day. You know, I got like 100 bucks for it. It was worthless piece of shit. But um, And they don't make it anymore for good reason. It's a piece of shit. Um, but little guns are just, they're harder to shoot. They're generally less pleasant to shoot. And I had a, uh, uh, a gal with larger-than-average female hands come through a class and... After she shot um, her, I think she was shooting a Glock 48, like the slim. It's like the size of a 19, but it's single stack. It's 
thin. Sure. It doesn't have a lot of real estate, not quite as much real estate on the side to grab onto. Mm -hmm. um, and then I handed her my 34. Now, granted, it's it was also my match gun, but it's still, it's a, the exact same frame the Sioux Falls Police Department, department carries. Mm -hmm. And she, as soon as she got it in her hand, she's like, oh, before she even fired it, she already understood why this was better because she could actually get her hands on it and actually grip it and actually control it. Full, yeah. It was all the way. Yep. Just being able to get her hands on it was so much easier. She instantly was like, Oh, now I get it. Mm -hmm. And, and those, I, I mean, I, I've thought about buying a 48. I like the idea of that gun, but I have a feeling I'm not going to like it as much as my M and P shield. I said that to you on the way up. Yeah. I think the best gun that's ever been made in that size is the Smith and Wesson M and P shield. And the newer versions are even better because they're rougher texture and they hold more bullets now. And I've got one of the originals and I still love it. Still like it a lot. It's great little pistol and you can actually get all, I can get all of my, I wear like a large glove. Like if I buy work gloves, large is what I buy. I've got kind of big palms and short fingers. Yep. So, um, you know, I don't have small hands, but I don't have huge hands. And I can get all of my hands on that pistol. Yep. And, and I can say I, I have not tried that, but after hearing you say that, I kind of wish I, I'd. I'm gonna. I wish I'm I would have brought that one so you could mess with it. But, sure. Um, no, I like that one a lot. Um, I think the Sig Sauer P365 is a stupid gun. I really do. Mm -hmm. I think it's stupid. Hmm. It's like holding onto a hot dog that recoils because <laughs> the grip is literally the length of a nine millimeter cartridge, and that's it. Have you ever held one? You ever fired one? 365 is the one. It's like yeah. it's like I'm holding a Coors Light beer bottle. It's like the neck on a beer bottle. Sure. That's all the thicker it is. Yep. It's so little. Even for someone with small hands, it's really little. Yeah. You know, it's just stupid. Even the XL is not much better. Um, that other one <laughs> that they should just call our ripped off Glock 19 with a port in the in the slide for recoil. Uh, or gas porting, whatever. That thing is kind of cool, but or you could just buy a Glock 19 and know that you're buying it from a company who doesn't beta test with their customers and uh, their guns don't blow up when they're in holsters. So uh, yeah, I'm just waiting for that to happen for a, a 320 to not only go off uncommanded, but also have an out of battery discharge in a holster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's gotten close in some videos that I've seen. Oh, that du one du that happened. Duty holsters. Right. Now, and Sig keeps saying, oh, they're trying to repurpose 226 holsters to 320s. Okay. But if you just put a fucking trigger safety in your trigger, it wouldn't be a problem. Like, that's all you got to do. <laughs> but you won't do it because you're idiots. Yep. Whatever. Um, hey, they got that government contract yep. heat there, and they're sucking it dry. Woof. It's the, when I saw what the, that rifle that they made and then the optic that Vortex came up with and the government actually bought it, it's like, what would be cheaper? Is that the one that that ranges too? Yeah. Like okay. it does. It's, it's a very, I, I don't know exactly everything. I just know that that optic is not cheap. Yeah. I mean, it's probably more than the rifle or as much. What would be better that or more training time. Yep. Uh, 
I'm guessing more training time would be cheaper. And considering it's for the full-time military, it would have to be way cheaper. And I'm not trying to shit on either of the products. I mean, that SIG rifle actually looks kind of cool. But, and the optic is whatever it is. Like, okay. But <laughs> how about just, uh, let's let's practice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's practice shooting. Yep. Let's get good at this thing that we need to be able to do at some other point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm going to be a truck driver, but I'm not going to drive truck. That's pretty much how it goes for the, uh, oh, I could talk about, we haven't talked about that. I was on the news. Yes, I did see that the other day. Uh, the very lovely Beth Warden asked me to uh, do a demo and an interview with her for a story she was doing about the uh, the firearm change they did at the uh, penitentiary in Sioux Falls. They went from rifles in the perimeter, and this was the perimeter guns, like in the towers along the main fence. They went from rifles, which I was told were not uh, anything I would take to a match Mm -hmm. or I would have brought to shoot prairie dogs. They were in poor shape. It's nothing like what we have on the floor right here. (laughs) No. Quality wise. No. I mean, was yours, did you build yours or buy it? I built my first. This one that I have right here was the first one that. I bought. Oh, you just bought it off the rack. Fact, what was factory it? Wide. This was is an LWRC. Okay. Yeah. Fine rifle. Yes. Uh, I built mine with quality parts that mattered. Yes. I went cheap not, on the parts that don't matter. Not me. I called mine the Frankenstein build because pretty much everything was military spec and that was it. I mean, I didn't so, buy like the oof. finest parts. I bought quality parts where they matter. Sure. You know, uh, like the bull carrier group is good. Mm-hmm. The... Honestly, I'm not a tr- big trigger snob. Mil spec trigger is just fine for me because compared to a Glock trigger, a mil spec AR trigger is pretty fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> the uh, um, 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 what was I talking about? Oh, the prison. So they went away from the ARs, which there are issues with that as that for that weapon. Um, I was just asked to be like the firearms expert guy who just said, "Okay, here's what these things do." And here's how they work. Um, and that was that was all she was asking me to do. She did ask my opinion about certain things, but like I whoever made that decision, like, no, we're going with shotguns with buckshot. I'm not gonna lie, I get the decision because I also understand they're not gonna spend shit on training. And while you can do a lot of unintentional damage with the shotgun and buckshot, you can do a lot of unintentional damage with a rifle too, mm-hmm. um, including send bullets into the middle of Sioux Falls from the prison tower. Right. You can't do that with a shotgun. Like those BBs are flying 150 yards tops, but depending on the angle they were fired at. Uh, and they're not really going to be lethal at that distance anyway. That rifle bullet's going to be lethal for a long fucking way. Okay, so if something happens and a bullet goes stray into town towards residential neighborhood, which there are houses not far from there, that's a problem. Across the street. <laughs> like literally across the street. Literally, yeah. yep. Um, so, and the, <laughs> I love the way they cut it together because um, the, some of it was like, okay, this doesn't make, they tried to make me sound like I was like the grandmaster of instructors because yeah, I teach the enhanced pistol permit class 
And that they took a line I said from somewhere else and said, they leave with the skills they need to know how to defend. Like, no, you don't leave my class. Nece- like, it's not like a guarantee that you're, you take my class for the permit and you're automatically going to have all the shooting skills to defend yourself. Fuck no. Like, n- no. So they made me out to be a little, a lot cooler than I am. Like, that's not what that class is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can help you out with that, but that's not what that class is. But then they also, uh, um, did I do that? Is that my truck? That's not my truck. There's a horn honking. I just, happened to, I just happened to put my elbow down on the bed. I'm like, did I land on my keys? Am I doing that? That was timed about perfect. It was. Yep. I, you thought it was me too, didn't you? I was wondering if it was until I saw your keys on the back of but the my, bed there. My keys were on the other side of me, so it wasn't me. Um, but anyway, they... Uh, I set up a couple of targets. One was it uh, for each gun, a shotgun with buckshot and a rifle, 223 AR with, you know, regular 55 grain ball ammo. And so I shot two rounds of the buckshot at, it was 25 or 30 yards, I think. And then uh, at 75 yards, way down there. Uh, fun fact, it was literally the first time I ever shot buckshot in my life. I I've shot thousands of rounds of shotgun but never buckshot mm-hmm. um i mean it's pretty much the same concept as a bird shot it's just fewer pellets that weigh more um and it tore up the target at 25 like there was a shitload of holes 16 out of 18 pellets hit it at 25 yards at 75 yards two of the pellets hit it and i actually fired more for some they just he just wanted to get some more b-roll for in case he needed it. So he asked me to just shoot a few more rounds. And so I did, and I didn't, I didn't hit that target again. Like when I, when I went to go tear him down, there were still only two holes in just that. Those two yeah. Oh wow. From the first two I shot. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they were both from the same round or one from each, but, um, there is a shot in the video, uh, on their website. And I, I posted a link on my, uh, uh, six Oh five shooting Instagram and Sioux Falls shooting on Facebook. Uh, if you go to that story on Dakota News Now, you can see it's like a six, somewhere between six and eight feet was the pattern on the berm, which was another like 10 yards behind the target. But that pattern of buckshot was like eight yards wide. It was huge. Yeah. And it granted, it was with not a full choke. It was a modified choke. But um, no, it was just kind of a fun little, okay, do this thing. And then I shot the rifle at... 25 yards and actually my group was worse at 25 because I knew I was hitting it every time and I just went wham 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 and then the one at 75 yards I had a much tighter group but I was being more careful and deliberate because I had a smaller margin of error you know at the longer target I had to be a little more careful pressing the trigger yep and and then the (laughs) the uh the question or the answer, like the question she asked me was, so if you were fighting with a prisoner at the prison and someone needed to, to shoot to save you, what would you rather them have? And the first thing I thought of was, look, I can name like five people I'd be okay with taking that shot, and I don't think any of them work at the prison. <laughs> so I just said, well, it depends on who's taking the shot and how much training they have. But, uh, obviously 
the rifle would be better in that case, but I also know they're probably not going to hold over the way they're supposed to because it's a close-up shot. Mm -hmm. The muzzle offset with the sight is pretty dramatic. It's two inches or so or more. That could work out poorly for me or someone else. You know, there's just so many things that go into it. So, like, I get that some of those guys were pissed that they got shotguns instead of ARs because ARs are way cooler than shotguns. But at the same time, if I'm in charge of that department, knowing I'm getting dick from the state for training money, what's easier to teach somebody how to use efficiently and cheap? Well, buckshot's not really much cheaper than 223 ammo, but still. What's easier to teach someone to shoot? Shotgun is. Right. 100%. Right. So, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. I don't know. You saw the story. What did you think? Yeah. No, I I agree. And it's... it's. And you have friends that work there, too. I, I do. And my friends are the guys that can make those shots. Right. And because a couple of these guys are very highly skilled. And, and even you, you, you talked about, you know, the, the training aspect is whether it's funded by the agency or it's or personally funded, yeah. like what I do, you do, like everything, like it's all done on our own dime. And a lot of it, and the skill, but that skill is doesn't just get checked at the door, you know, like your skills inside the walls transfer out into the real world mm-hmm. and vice versa. The problem is, is a lot of that training can happen and everything, but then you got to figure in, turnover you got to figure out all this other stuff and then literally with every new face you're starting from square one yeah and 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 so what i I don't think i'm mistaken but the ceos turn over quite a bit turnover is very high yeah so spending a lot on training is i mean you probably have to be working there a while before they're going to be bothered with training you like you will be in a job where you're not using firearms because like i don't think not every ceo gets firearms trained or certified or whatever from how I understand, I I think that is a fair statement. Yes, because there there is definite and I there's there are positions they don't want them carrying guns because it you can get taken away from them. You can't right. So the people that are working on the hill, so the main building that everyone sees from all the way and they're across, inside and they're inside, not on with, the perimeter fence with the with inmates and and stuff. Yeah, no, they're not harmed, and that's by design. Right. So they're they're not taken from them. So, yeah. No, it's a. It's just one of those jobs that they. It should be so much higher paid. It really should. It, it, yeah. Um, you know, I know how much our state spends so much money on highways, and believe me, I I I appreciate it because our highways compared to Minnesota are much nicer. <laughs> you cross the state line, it's pretty obvious. Um, snow removal is pretty obvious too, but at the same time though, it's like, uh, there are certain jobs that really should get paid more. And because if they're paid better, I mean, if I could get a gig as a CO making 60, $70,000 a year, I'd do it. You know, Mm -hmm. I have the training on the firearm side already. Um, I'd be in a position to do all the teaching, you know, I I don't compared to everybody else there. I'm not going to need training on that part of it. Pretty much every other part of it. I'm going to need all the training, you know? 
Yep. Like I don't pretend to know things I don't know. Like when it comes to, you know, I'll get some guy who's like, well, do you do any tactical classes? I'm like, no, I, <laughs> I do shooting classes. I don't know shit about tactics. And for my friends who do, they're like, it's not as useful as the shooting training. <laughs> Pretty much is what every one of them has said. Sure. Um, I don't know shit about tactics. I've never been in the military. I've never been a cop. But the shooting stuff I can help you a lot with. And guess what? If you go to a tactical class, guess what? The first thing they're going to teach you is shooting fundamentals <laughs> right <laughs> so it's just some people can do the fundamentals way faster than others yes that's, that's all it translates all it into yep uh and you know how you, you know how they do that it's not magic no they practice they practice mm-hmm. yep and that and that it, it, it's and it's not unique to the prison or or state or or whatever the, the this is everybody oh you yeah know, it's just Every agency, every person, and and everything, and and it's it depends on the administration, from the chief all the way down to the actual officer, how much weight they put behind it, and which should by default be a lot, um, in my opinion. So one thing that's interesting though too is like the best shooter I know locally, you know, in the Sioux Falls area, mm-hmm. happens to be a cop. It's not because he's a cop. Right. <laughs> like, he did that on his own because he's a nerd for USPSA and loves the sport. It just happens to translate to his job. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a full-time law enforcement officer. Um, but it has – the fact that he's really good at that sport has nothing to do with the fact that he's a cop. Yeah. It it doesn't go both ways. That's why when uh, Alec Baldwin said, I think there should always be a police officer on movie sets to make sure everything's handled safely. I'm like, uh, I don't think that's necessarily a qualification for that job. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh, the old I don't mean to sh- I'm Alec not sh- Baldwin thing. I'm not shitting on <laughs> cops. I'm not. I'm just saying it's not an automatic qualification. Yeah. Um, if you're a B-class USPSA shooter, you'd be able to take care of the guns on movie sets. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, it's... Uh, they yeah, get, they get They get more training cops do than the standard person. Yes. But, yes. But there's do. a reason why a lot of people make it either a hobby or go find stuff on top of what their agency offers. Yeah. Well, I, and you're not even paid absolutely as a cop. Like, you're a volunteer cop. Yeah. Right. Um. And you right away, you said that the last time you were on my podcast that you immediately were like, I need to be better at this. And so you just started looking for ways to get better Mm -hmm. and, and found it. Um, Oh, I was, I keep meaning to bring this up. Uh, I had a, a married couple who, uh, did a lesson with me here Saturday night and, uh, they were, I mean, they were both. They were both safe. They both were, you know, reasonable shooters. You know, everybody can be better, myself included, you included, everybody included. Um, But it was like, oh, the practice thing. Like, I want to be better, but it's just so hard to find time or find motivation. Well, they were seeking competition as a way of forcing motivation to practice. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's genius. I said that there just so happens to be a USPSA match tomorrow. And I gave them the address and they showed up. They came out and watched. Um, They brought their seven-year-old 
and skipped church and came to the match out at Big Sioux on Sunday. And they hung around for about half of it. Um, and they only left because the seven-year-old was getting bored after a while. And, um, but they're like, and the, the wife in the, of this couple was, she was the type where she did not want to be, um, she didn't want to look stupid. And everybody always worries about that when they're new. Mm-hmm. Um, some people don't, I, I'm, I got covered with peanut butter on St. Joe street in rapid city on television. I'm not afraid to look stupid. <laughs> Some people are not cursed with, you know, that sort of self-consciousness, but a lot of people are. And it's like, when I say no one cares whether you do well or not, I mean that in the most literal sense of the term. I do not give a shit (laughs) about your score or how good you are. No one's going to make fun of you for it if you decide to try it. Yeah. Literally. I mean, have you ever once seen that? No. The only making fun of happens like between you and me, like between buddies, mm-hmm. you know. I you mean, have to know the person before you start. I Yeah, right. Yeah. Like I, the other day, uh, we were walking stage four and Tom Marsh was whining about having to shoot over a, a four foot wall. And I was like, Tom, you got the head box. There's a whole A zone up there you can shoot at. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> Just shoot it. And... I'm just giving him a hard time. And he laughed, you know, I wasn't actually making fun of him. Would I say that to a new shooter? Absolutely not. No. Or even just someone I didn't know. Nope. If I didn't know him, I wouldn't say anything like that. Like, yeah, if you show up to a match, you might hear us say some rude stuff, but it's just buddies doing what buddies do to each other. You know, it's not, Yep. you know, so. No, there's been a couple of times where one or two stages will go by. It's a, a face that I haven't seen for a while. I'd be like, hey, this next time around, if you're willing to listen, I want you to try these two things and then take away what you want from it. And they end up I doing it. I do that. It, it's, well, it was more gear related than it was oh. the shooting because the skill will come with more time. But oh, it gotcha. was gear placement and some other stuff. I'm oh, like, hey, yeah. why don't you shift this here? Why don't you do this? And no. then just don't change a thing on, on how you're shooting. But yeah, I just want you to move it. some stuff around. And then just those little things like that. No, I remember Fred so. uh before uh this when I first started, I remember Fred, who passed away a couple of years ago, uh said, I'm sure your magazines around. Cause I just had them facing rearward. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any better. I literally didn't know how I was supposed to put them in there, that there was an advantageous direction to put them in the pouch. Yep. And I had these double pouches, and he said, yeah, point them forward, because then you grab it and then put it to the bottom of the gun. It's right there. Like, it's facing the right direction. It's the right yep. face in the right direction. 100%. I was like, huh, I'll be damned. <laughs> you know, and that was that was literally the only time. And plus, he was and he was an older guy, so obviously he was experienced. You know, he was, he was super nice, so it was, you know, I could come off as being a dick maybe in that scenario. That's why I don't. I don't offer advice unless asked mm-hmm. uh, whether people are new or not. doesn't matter. Friends, I'll be like, quit shooting like a bitch. <laughs> you know, yep. I'll say that all the time. Yep. Um, yep. But I only I, say I that to friends. I was the latest victim. That was, <laughs> no, Tyler was. <laughs> <laughs> no, t- <laughs> Tyler's gun wouldn't run. And so finally after five of six stages, he goes, should I switch to my backup gun? Well, why do you have a backup gun? 
Right. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> I was like, make sure you tell Robert so you don't get DQ'd. Yeah. You know. But honestly, the the not the group, but people that show up to matches and different stuff like that. If you had a couple show up, and they're like, "Wow, this looks really fun!" Like, I want to try it. I don't know a single person that wouldn't say, "Hey, here's my gear. Why don't you?" Yeah, I would have. I. If they were left-handed, I would say, here you go. I even told yeah, the gal. 100%. Because the gal in my class the other day, she shoots a Glock 19. I've got a right-handed belt rig ready to go for her. I was like, you don't need to buy anything. Just use this. Yep. Um, cinch the belt down a little extra tight because she's yep. not – actually, the small belt would probably fit her just fine. But um, there you go. Yep. And that you're more likely to get help and like, oh, here, you want to shoot my gun? than you are to get made fun of. One of the gals that was on my squad at Area 3 ended up forgetting her belt. You know, we wouldn't know anything about that, right? I have no idea what you're talking about, Jeremy. Missing belts when you show up to matches. Uh, What? I did not go to Cornhusker last year without my belt. I don't know what you're talking about. And I've never seen your wife show up with your belt (laughs) down in Canton. Not once. Even though I get to say hi to her, I've never seen that happen. Steven, no belt pros for life. (laughs) So yeah, this this gal is shooting open, beautiful beautiful gun, and, oh, and she's everything. Open. That's so open. much more specialized. So this is the cool part was three or four shooters banded together, built her a belt, and Are she you was able. Me? Yeah, she was able to shoot Area Three off of it. Her husband <sighs> had so a couple cool. parts and a couple friends on some other stages that were also shooting. Which is able they, to cobble a belt rig together. Cobbled a belt together, and she was able to run her race gun yeah. for it. And, and that's and that's the group. That's not an uncommon story right it really isn't i mean that's a little extraordinary that it was usually it's not an open because usually the open gun shooters are like blinky eyed engineer types and they don't forget anything but eh, sometimes they're not so mm-hmm. um no i it was lucky that they were able to put an yeah. open belt together but Cause, yeah because the to fit an open gun are very different from gun to gun to gun it's not like i was shooting a glock 17 there's going to be or a cz shadow 2 there's going to be a buttload of people who could like go to the safe area take the belt off you know set the gun down for a shooter here use there's my belt use it shoot it okay and then we switch back yep that could happen all day long because there's a shadow two on every squad at every match that's right guaranteed yep but (laughs) oh well thanks for doing a pod with me dude yeah it's anytime it's about bedtime we have to we have to do very important educational stuff tomorrow. From 8 to 5 tomorrow. From 8 to 5. <laughs> Make sure you wear dress casual clothing. Although, I don't think we have to tuck in our shirts. Because Art never does. <laughs> I didn't last time. I think I did. Just had to be khaki and a collared shirt. I think I did. Dress code. By the way, um, we we can carry our guns in the law enforcement training center. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not against the so law. So, this, this class that he's talking about is... In the law enforcement training academy, the police right, academy, right South Dakota's police academy, South Dakota's yep. police academy. We'll see. So. We'll see. Uh, what would you call them? Cadets. Yeah, cadets will be there. Yeah, and they'll and be they running from with their blue guns. Their and... their schools. Yep. Yep. They're different classes, I should say, while they're in school, carrying their blue guns. Yep. And got to get used to that weight. Doesn't weigh the same as a loaded pistol with no, it bullets in it. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll be doing that tomorrow, and uh, hopefully I'm not hungover after three beers, a bunch of pizza, and two sh- two glasses of whiskey. Yep. Hopefully. And then book it home. And then booking it home. Yeah. It's not... 
it's amazing how much longer it seems like it is to pier versus the grassland. It seemed like we got there in no time. Yeah. I mean, it was like two hours and 20 minutes and yep. we were in the grassland. Well, we had to stop for gas. That's, or we had to stop to pee. And then we happened to get gas. Yep. Otherwise, we'd have been there in no time. Um, yeah. Cool area. Definitely. If you want to go shoot some prairie dogs, Fort Pier Grassland is a place to do it. There are some maps on the internet. I have one, but I'm not going to give it away. <laughs> Sorry. All the all the areas to go. It's only a nine-year-old map that I got from Lens Dakota Mart eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. But it's still accurate, so. This, this area gets dogged on, myself included, but I mean. Well, the you mean Pier? Dog, the hunting, yeah. Oh, well, Pier's kind of a shithole. Yeah. yeah. Plus, and there's then, politicians here like crazy. Yeah. Yep. But the fishing, the hunting, yeah, the camping. It's such a dichotomy. The There's so many reasons for me to come here. I don't mind that it's kind of a shithole yeah. of a town because there's lots of stuff I like to do here. Yeah. So there's a lot of fun stuff. And as it turns out, there are nice parts of Pier. It's just I always end up in the shitty parts because <laughs> I'm usually staying in the cheapest motel whenever I travel. Sure. And this just happens to me. By the way, I'm just going to say the country and suites in Pier is not too shabby and it's cheap. So, um, and it's not too far from where we need to go tomorrow. No, and I don't see any bed bugs, so that's pretty good. Recently Tell you what, fun, fun story about that is my wife, me included, uh, pretty much everyone. I I'm not even gonna go home if I know I have bed bugs because it's one of those things where it's it's either automatic divorce or oh until so because she is so afraid of that. So anytime I go traveling for work for hobby for any the first time make sure there's no bed bugs i'm like do you actually check yeah yep yeah i didn't i didn't pull but when we were in grand island which makes no sense because the hotel was way nice like it's just brand wise and stuff like that i'll yank the comforter i'll do all sorts of stuff but I did when we came in. I flipped the light on, looked around, see if anything tried hiding from us right away, and and different things because it is one of those things. Like, by the once way, once you get them, it's hard to get rid of the them. flashlight you carry Holy versus mine. Shit. What are you compensating <laughs> for, dude? Uh, it's a rechargeable battery. That's the only reason why it's that big. Uh, guess what? So is mine. So, I know, and that was before. My little Yours pro- looks a lot older. Yours looks old enough to be made before this was even invented. No, this is this is actually my backup. So with me working in maintenance and everything else, like I'm throwing seven or eight hundred lumens, something like that. And um it just so happened that it fit in my pocket and it also is a, a legit backup for the one that I've got on my duty belt. Okay. So if I just I thought you were compensating for a small penis, but okay. Possibly. Well, that's also why I have this size of gun and and uh, some of the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Even your pocket knife is like compensating. Like so, I'm just wearing, I'm carrying like a regular old Kershaw pocket knife, and you've got this like combination screwdriver, box cutter, Milwaukee thing that. Yeah. Boy, it's not Swiss Army, but it, it's Milwaukee, and that's that's the way to go. So and Milwaukee means more money. More money. Yep. Got to give them their dues. Yes. It's just more money. That's all it is. Well, uh, we will uh, find out if we enjoy the class tomorrow or not. But anyway, Jeremy Williams, everybody. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.